This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Turn it over now to your co-host, Agent C. Thank you so much, man. Welcome back, everybody. How's it going? What man, a week. <laughs> it's going awesome. What a week. What a week. What a week. A what lot. a couple weeks since the last show. Oh, yeah, right. for sure. But just in this past week, is just is blown up. A lot going on. Wow. There's been yeah. a lot going on. Fat Reverend, uh, you talked about something last time we were here <laughs> that... Uh, you made a prediction. Was I right or was I right? You were right. Not only were you right about mm-hmm. the, uh, I guess, legitimacy of said situation, but also what was going to be the cop-out. That's right. You yep. did, and you called that on the first day, brother. Yep. Why don't you tell them a little bit about it, Rev? Okay. We, uh, man, I guess we can start back at the very beginning. But, you know, of course we're talking about the Jesse Smollett Smollett, Smollett, however you say it. Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> oh. So, basically, the day it happened, to do a short recap, he claimed he was in Chicago filming uh, an episode of Empire. Two o'clock in the morning rolls around. He goes out to Subway. Which mm. usually closes around 10 p.m. Nationwide. Mm, right, yeah. right. Um Mm. Coldest night of the year mm. during a polar vortex, yes. negative forty degrees. Right, right. Foot long, four foot long. That's right. <laughs> God, this is supposed to be the serious show, guys. <laughs> so he, all right. he went um, on. I'm saying long sandwiches and tall tales. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> All right, there you go, dude. I'm, we might as well go ahead and shut it down. Reverend. We're not, we're not going to get any better than that. So, um, let's see. He gets he gets jumped by two guys in ski masks. Now, in some variations of the story, they're wearing MAGA hats. Right, right. I think that he later tried to say, "I don't need that part of the story." That was just something that the that word of mouth and you know the telephone game came up with later on. Right. Because that uh, was just too far-fetched. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So <laughs> he had a noose around his neck, had uh, bleach poured on him, mm-hmm. uh, bleach which freezes in negative five degree weather. Right. So I guess he got hit with an ice cube. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like a like a, be- a bleach pot or... Yeah, you know, yeah. Or, yeah. Ble- bleach sickle. You yeah. <laughs> he got hit with a Tide pod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which went well with his sub you know uh, a little side item there and that when he was attacked he was being called racial and uh homophobic slurs Mm -hmm. and they said this is maga country right chicago illinois right chicago probably one of the least maga uh, places on earth very blue very blue city and (laughs) i remember what i was thinking was if that part of Chicago is MAGA country, then so is Detroit, so is yeah. Baltimore, so is East St. Louis. I hate to see West Lincoln, North Carolina, brother. 
Yeah. I mean, but seriously, you know, I mean, if that's MAGA country, yeah. quote unquote stereotypical MAGA oh, God, country, yeah. then Jesus, man, you know, where are you going to start talking about some of these, you know, backwater towns, you right. know, like, like West Lincoln, you know. Right. So <laughs> the entire uh, liberal portion of Facebook, you know, rallies around him. He gets uh, community activists and organizers. It's politicians, you know, uh, Kamala Harris, right. uh, Bernie Sanders, even Trump. Said, even Trump, yeah, came out and said this is a horrible thing that's happened. Right. And you had celebrities all over Twitter, right, speaking out about it. But um, I don't know. Now a lot of people are saying in hindsight, but you know, you can vouch for it. I said this from the very beginning. I said. This story doesn't pass the smell test. The first person that I saw talking about this was you. That that you broke yeah. the story to me. I also remember that the day you broke, you said, "Watch when this is shown to be bullshit. Mm-hmm. He's going to claim he has a drug and alcohol problem, which mm-hmm. I think he just came out in the last day or so." Right. It, it's something the thing, like that. It's the yeah. thing. Pretty much all celebrities do when they fuck up in some capacity is they'll have a press and release it, through their manager that says. You know, I've got a nondescript alcohol and sleeping pill right. addiction. Ambien, Ambien, Ambien. That damn Ambien strikes again. Yep. <laughs> first Roseanne, Ro- Ro- now this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not on that shit, man. That's all I'm saying. Jesus Christ, yeah. man. You know, what's funny is, uh, just a total side point from that is, I can remember when the Roseanne thing happened, and you had not only liberals online, but also the makers of Ambien who said... Yes. Oh, you know, this doesn't do that. Our product doesn't make you racist. What's crazy? (laughs) But it's just what it said. But yeah, Yeah, what's crazy is I've heard more stories of people on Ambien doing out-of-character weird shit than every other drug combined. Exactly, man. I've known people that have told me that they have taken Ambien and woke up the next day and had, like, receipts from McDonald's from, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. They would actually get out and drive. I actually have heard of a lady who baked a cake yeah, at right. like 2 or 3 in the morning and does not remember. They woke yeah. up and there was a cake. And apparently it was a good cake. Just, yeah. Still, you know, it's still that's so, that's it's insane to me. in time. It's just, you that's, don't know what's, you know, from here to there. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Reverend, you know, I think you made a good point because I've known people in my past who've done some pretty hard drugs. You know, I mean, I personally right. haven't, but I've known people and been around people on heavy stuff and they don't even do shit like right. that. I know. That, right. that that that's mind-boggling to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm talking people on LSD to opiates to to whatever, cocaine, whatever. You'll hear about and they people, don't do that kind of stuff. You'll hear about people doing Ambien who get up in the middle of the night and go make pancakes yes. and leave, leave their oven on and then go to sleep out in the front yard yes. in, of some house three blocks away. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, the scariest story that I heard was the one I was just talking about about my friend who went to Burger King at three in the morning. You're behind the wheel of a car, mm-hmm. yeah. and you don't even know what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's scary to me. But I also think that people may use that also as a little bit of an excuse as uh-huh. well. You know, I, I kind of agree with the manufacturers of Ambien. I don't think it's going to make you racist. I don't think that's going to make you say the things Roseanne Barr said. Well, see, here, uh, here's, or, here's, or, here's the thing. Or stage an attack. Maybe. I mean, right. I don't yeah. know these things. Well, see, here's but, the thing. If, if, <laughs> if you're on the Ambien and you bake a cake because you know how to bake a cake, you know how to bake that cake. <laughs> you know, that's a valid. If you, if that's that's valid a good point. point. That is. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's already there. It's in you. It's not like you're going to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go build a car or something right. if you've never yeah. done that. I mean, yeah, it's it's already in yeah. you. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. 
But yeah, Reverend, um, you know, you did. You called this fake news from day one. I also saw a lot of people who were trying to argue that fact or, you know, and I can understand playing devil's advocate. I can understand looking at all sides of the story. Mm -hmm. But this particular story concerned me because there was such a, I guess, a widely accepted belief that this really happened when it was Mm -hmm. ludicrous. I mean, I think anybody with half a reasonable brain will be like, there's no way that happened. It's okay to question it, and I think you should question things, but... You know, there's a couple major things that stick out about the story, even though just about all of it is pretty suspect. You know, the idea that you brought up where... I don't even know anything about Empire. I've never None watched, of us do. No, I've never the only thing I could even tell you about the show is that I'm aware there's a show called Empire that exists because they promote it really heavily during NFL season, right. and you see it on Fox. And I'm aware that it's a show that stars Terrence Howard. Right. But besides that, I don't know anything about it. No. And I imagine that's a show with a very niche audience. Exactly. exactly. So I can't imagine uh, these people out committing hate crimes that they're big enough fans of the show to where they know who a supporting character is. That's exactly right. what I'm saying. I mean, you know, if regular mainstream guys like us don't know what this show is, I can almost guarantee you the quote-unquote stereotypical Trump supporter, you know, and I do mean stereotypical Trump supporter, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not that niche audience. That is just oh, absolutely yeah. not, right. uh, you know. So, I mean, the whole thing was just, I found it ludicrous to begin with. But, you know, I was actually, me and Mikey, or me and Agent C both were watching um, the Joe Rogan show this week. I don't get to watch Joe like we used to, but it had Donnell Rollins on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Donnell was on the Chappelle show. And he says so, and they were, oh, man, he was going off on this thing. I mean, he was giving this guy a lot of shit, you know. But one thing he said that, that made some sense to me, he was like, you know, when we first heard this, we wanted to believe it. Because you wouldn't think somebody would lie about such a heinous crime, a hate crime. You would hope that right. people wouldn't do that. And that, and it makes it really hard now, man. Because what if this does happen legitimately to somebody? Not Even not an actor, just a, an Maybe average. Cry wolf. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's that's my point, yeah. and, and I just don't know if this man realizes. Because if anything happens now hereafter, you're going to doubt it. Well, it's you know, it, you know, it's it's really similar to the Duke Lacrosse case, and oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Tawana Brawley, and a number of ones like that. And what's been interesting, I've thought, is that the people who have come out the hardest against it is, you know, you've seen the the reaction from the right wing has been just. A lot of joking. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit of gloating. Yeah, some gloating. And and there's and there's been, you know, laughing from the from the left as well. But a big sentiment you've seen from those guys is, you know, you've really fucked this up for people who might be victims down the line. Exactly. And I think that is such a valid point, man. I mean, because now I think you should I think you should always maybe cast a little doubt to begin with anyway, just so you know all the facts anyway. I don't care mm-hmm. what the situation is. We should be innocent until proven guilty. Right. But now I'm afraid that there's just gonna be such a huge backlash and you know, I asked just another Josie or Josie, you know, situation yeah. and I don't know, brother. It's uh, I think he did a lot of damage, and uh-huh. uh, you know I hope he pays for it. I mean, you know I don't think the man deserves to go to prison for the rest of his life, but he should. There should be consequences for this thing because he really did set back, you know, a very um, troubling issue, man. I mean, you know, hate crimes do exist; they do happen. He is going to go down as the first American to scam not just one but two Nigerians. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ah, yes. Yes. Nice, but I tell you, man, it, that whole situation it is, is just, it's just and terrible. It, it turns it around to where, you know, like you said, that that doubt of anything that anybody says anymore yeah. is is it fabricated unless you have actual video documented proof of this thing happening to you. Right. Anything that you say 
is your word against you know somebody else's or even just your word is not going to matter it anymore. Devalues it. Mm-hmm. it devalues it. It really does, man, and that's that's a shame. You know, yeah. and I just hope people out there. Like, but hateful people don't take advantage of that. You know, right. that, that scares me. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. But there's a, there's also a part of, of the left that even though this has happened. They still defend it. I've seen that. Yeah. So Okay, now I haven't seen that. You t- Explain uh, oh, that a little bit. Man. Well, <laughs> I've seen some people. And these are comments I'm reading on Facebook posts. Some people I don't know. Yeah. You know, I want to put that mm-hmm. out there. So I don't know if these are real people. They may be quote-unquote Russian bots. I don't know. But, I, I mean, you know, I mean, isn't that the no, conspiracy seen, theory I've of the day? Yeah, somebody, it, it, I, if, you, if you haven't been accused of being a Russian bot before. Then you're not living. Yeah. <laughs> you're not doing it right. <laughs> no, I've seen, I've seen an actual person that I know put a name. Sure, sure. Um actually say something to the effect of you know sure okay this didn't happen but it happens it brings every day to light every day. that yeah. this happens i've seen people say well this happens every day i have right. seen people say that and i'm like if it did i'm pretty sure we'd hear about it right yeah. the, the media it is still happening this is going on out there yeah. now yeah. this is what's happening in america right now make no mistake if there's any kind of racially charged issue any kind of hate crime that's committed the media eats it up man that's their favorite when thing. it happens they won't let they won't let you forget it. No, no. sir, they won't, man. So this whole argument, uh, well, it happens, we just don't hear about it, I think is ludicrous as well right. because, like I said, the media salivates for this stuff, man. Yeah. It's, their, it's their bread and butter. Yeah. yeah. If it is happening, it's usually happening on, on a deeper level and a scarier level that somebody doesn't want to come out and talk about it. Right. You know. And, and one thing, man, I, I tend to lean culturally a little to the right, you know, even though I have a lot of liberal principles, you know, one thing I'll say about the left is most of the left has come out to denounce this and has come out to condemn this. I mean, mm-hmm. I will say that even uh, I, I noticed a clip of that last night that even Trevor Noah yes, is denouncing. It. Yes, and uh, so did Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton's like he deserves to go to. I believe he said he even deserves jail time. I can't, you know, don't quote me on that. I mean, but I know he did condemn. It I can't remember which it. rapper it was. Um, I want to say maybe Meek Mill or one of, one of those new guys, but said that um, you know was putting putting him on blast right. on Twitter and goes, you know, dude, you single handedly fucked up Black History Month. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, it does. It puts yeah. a you know. I mean, it definitely I think puts it, a negative spin on on well, some things. It really does. Well, I think the biggest thing that that really took effect when I was watching all this going down. It, especially at the end was the chicago pd yeah oh my god mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah you pissed off a lot of yeah you did well i mean you pissed I mean, off a lot of people you yeah. know they had to put a lot of resources into this story yeah. you know and man they're probably uh, overworked and underpaid like most police are mm-hmm. especially in a big city so you know they sure as hell didn't appreciate it and yeah. neither neither did any decent human being man because right now there's enough in my opinion man there's enough strife out there you know, on its own, to where we don't need to fabricate more. Yeah. I mean, we really don't need that. Hell, if anything, man, we need to start to find common ground, which you usually do find with regular people. Black, white, Asian, mm-hmm. Hispanic, man. If you all get in a room, you're hanging out, you're talking, drink a couple beers, all that racism does tend to go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really does, man, at least in my experiences. Yeah, I agree. One thing I've always noticed is I think poor whites and poor blacks have more in common than either oh. do with the rich of yeah. Of either race. Yeah. I, oh, absolutely, yeah. man. I've always said the one color that matters more than anything is green, without a doubt. 
I mean, there's so much common ground. That's... Social values, um, just, you know, hard to get up, man, hard to get a leg up. You yeah. know, it's yeah. just, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's across the board, man, but yeah, there, there's a lot of common ground there. Yeah. I think there's more common ground there than people realize. Yeah, you know, one of the things that that a lot of people seem to have a hard time wrapping their head around is it's it's an idea that you there's just no undercutting how how crucial this is to understand. I mean, this is kind of a paramount thing, but the way I would explain it to people is that racial and religious warfare is almost never about race or religion. Do you understand what I mean by yeah, that? Yeah, sure, absolutely, man. That sure. when you see race war or religious war or something, there's another issue going on. It's because in... Okay, when you have uh, countries around the world where the shit has hit the fan and you've got civil war right. going on, or some type of scenario where the, the social contract, as you'd say in philosophy gets ripped out right. from underneath the people. Um, you see politics go like they do in prison cell blocks. Race or religion become team uniforms. I got you. Right. It's not necessarily the main factor to bring you together, but it's more of something that kind of bonds you. It becomes uh, us versus them. Right. It, Tribalism. They, they, they act like surrogate battle flags, in a way. Got you. So in Northern Ireland, for example when you see Catholics and Protestants fighting each other in the streets, they're not fighting over whether the Pope is the legitimate authority. Exactly. They're not fighting over the Eucharist and, you know, communion. Right. What they're fighting over is political shit, but it, but religion comes to be the new, like, shirts versus skins thing. Like, it's the uniform yeah. you wear. It's almost yeah. like with ISIS, you know. Just because it has Islam or Islamic in, in the name, you know, I think what it is is more of a something to bond people. In other words, man, if our country was being bombed by a foreign nation, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that people that wanted to fight that, like any, I think, average normal human being would want to fight that, mm-hmm. here we would probably come under the banner of Christianity. You see, whereas the Christian... That is abs- that's absolutely a dead-on assessment. And another way to phrase it would be whether you choose to look at it in, in just in terms of resistance militias, but if we had a situation in this country like Iraq had been under for the last 20 years, you better believe there'd be Christian doomsday cults popping up all oh, over yeah. the place. All over the place, man. All yeah. over the place. Exactly like ISIS. Just like it. And I always kind of look at it, you know, as more of something to bond over. In other words, man, some sort of, man, a symbol. It's more of a right. symbol, you know, something to kind of bring the troops together. In other words, man, like myself, I'm not necessarily what you call a Christian per se. Mm-hmm. You know, I have my own belief system. I don't go to church. But once again, if bombs are being dropped on my house, if my family's being killed, if my schools and hospitals are being blown up, you're damn right I would join a group that called themselves the Christian Brotherhood. You're damn right I'd wear a cross. I don't wear one now, but I would if I was fighting this foreign invader. You know, absolutely I would. But then people kind of get that twisted and think, well, it's all Islam. You know, it's all about that, but it's about power. Well, this this was an idea that... Uh Originally, uh, Charles Manson was the one that formulated because you know this is basically what he was talking about by helter skelter. That when shit hits the fan, politics mirror the way it does in the cell block. Right. That race and religion are the two big ones to do it. Now, in places where it hasn't fully hit the fan, you see class. I got you. It being class warfare. Right. Right. But generally, 
race and religion are the two big ones. When, when it really hits rock bottom. Yeah. In, in other words, when there's no other class structure. You yeah. Know, the haves and have-nots, and then you start getting into these, yeah, religion and racial tribes. Yeah, and for, so... For lack of a better term, it's, tri- it's tribalism. Yeah, and know? so one of the things he talked about a lot is that in places where... How would you say it? That, um... Go ahead. Were you about to say something? Oh, I totally <laughs> lost my train of thought. Well, I tell you what, guys, we uh, we do have a couple subjects that we do want to get into today. Yeah. I, I think we should start maybe uh, steering in that direction. Yeah. Because I know the first segment we have is something, brother, that I really want to hear your opinion on. I have an opinion on it myself. I'm not very educated in this stuff, um, so I'm really looking forward to this. But we're going to start talking about crisis actors. Yeah. Reverend, what you? Why don't you explain what that is, and, and you know we'll kind of get into into today's subject. All right. So, the best definition that I can use for a crisis actor, and this is one that I wrote is while I was coming up with my notes, is that it's actors taking on the role of mock victims. Okay. They can now. This isn't just limited to victims. This can also be family members. This can be. Um, EMT personnel, witnesses. Yes. Okay. Uh, concerned community members, okay. belligerents, <clears throat> anybody who comes about in a scenario like this, and the purpose for them is to add lifelike realism to a simulation, an emergency exercise, or an act of political theater in a false flag scenario. I see. So, so, so Jesse's a crisis actor. Uh, no, but I think the two, Niger- the, now the two Nigerians would be. Okay. I see, I there see, I go. see. No, he's just an actor in crisis. <laughs> Agency, this is the this is a serious show, brother. <laughs> but no, I mean, but I, I mean, I it, it all, could be. It really, I mean, you look at it, and and by the definition, this is what he was. That is a basically false pushing. Uh, he, he was basically kind of pushing a false narrative, man. Yeah, I, I mean. Because I know last show, uh, last month, you know, we talked about false flags. Right. So this is, you know, kind of a lead off from that show, I guess we could say, because crisis actors and false flags go hand in hand. They, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Man. Well, this, this was a whole subject that went untouched from the other show where we went on to false flags is that, you know, we got to agent provocateurs and a number of other topics. But crisis actors is, if you go online right now and read the speculation when false flags come up. This is one that comes up over and over again, and we really didn't hit on it. But. Right. Because let me ask you this, Reverend. Has there ever been any documented cases to where a crisis actor was discovered? In other words, has there been any confirmed cases of this? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, the most famous one was one we talked about last show was the girl Naira Al-Saba from the uh, Kuwaiti royal That's family. Right. That's right. Who sold uh, Congress and the American public on the Gulf War. That's right. I, I, I forgot about that. Once you, let's go into that just briefly for anybody who maybe didn't hear last, uh, and, and to kind of refresh my memory as well. Let's. Okay, back during the lead-up to the Gulf War, when Bush Sr. really had an axe to grind with Saddam, you had this 16-year-old girl from Kuwait who came and testified before Congress, and... You know, she claimed she was this uh, nurse from Kuwait who was 16 years old. She was uh, filling in, doing, I don't know if it was charity work or what it was she was doing at this particular hospital, but it was in the war zone. Right. And 
the Iraqi army came in and she spun a long tale about how they took all the incubators, took the babies out of them and left them to die there yeah. on the floor and so on. And sh- she makes a big uh, tear-jerking scene right. out of the whole thing. But in over the course of the next two, three months during the lead-up to the war, at every campaign stop, Bush repeats this over and over again. Right. And a year later, the story leaks onto 60 Minutes where they investigated this girl, who she was, and they go, um, it wouldn't be fair to say she was a princess in the royal family. It was more like her father was one of probably 50 or 60 princes. Got you, right. Um, because it's a huge royal family. Right. But, no, she was very much uh, coached by her family and by the Bush administration. To, to help get the support that, yeah. that he needed to invade. Well, yeah. I mean, that's so nefarious. I mean, <laughs> I, I, it really is because not, I mean, you're lying to start a war. I mean, yeah. war I'm is. Fucking much. It, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so say no more. Oh, I mean, you know, go. there you go. Yeah. Um, but like I said, man, that's just God Almighty, man, because war is so terrible in itself. And then you're going to add a lie to get this started. It's just, yeah, man, nefarious is. is that, that term doesn't even really do it justice, in my opinion. So I want to start off <clears throat> this subject by spinning it around a little bit and posing a question to both of you. You know, when you talk about crisis actors, what's your overall opinion on it? You want to go first, Agency? Wow. Um, as far as um, what what they're associated with, how they're used, do you, or... Do you believe there's any validity to a lot of the things you see said about crisis actors where yeah i think there in, in most definitely of the, some in most of these scenarios now it's not more than an hour before you've got info wars and you got everybody going okay, right this, yes. this fucker's a crisis actor right right oh yeah yeah i think i think at some point there there are some not all definitely not all um it's hard to keep that it would be so difficult to keep that contained, right? With so many different people um, acting, a, I just don't. I don't think it's as big as what a lot of people think it is. But I think there is a small portion of it that is pushed, placed, right? In, Coached in, maybe in, in, in scenarios to where okay, you've got this real person because you know, a lot of people really like to get. In, in front of a camera, that's especially yes, during a that's crisis. That's very true, yes. You're right. They have no problem getting in front of a camera and doing whatever. Yeah. But yeah. I think at certain points during these crises, there is maybe the one or the two that they uh, they do put in there to kind of keep that that crisis going. Okay, that, yeah. that, 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 that You know, to bounce off of that point, because I don't know why a lot of people dislike the idea of crisis actors so much, because with... Things like um, the Orlando nightclub shooting or the Parkland uh, mm-hmm. school shooting. Right. When allegations of crisis actors are thrown out, there's people who hit out at it pretty hard. And I understand on some level when people do it, they say, you know, that's kind of an asshole thing to do because you're putting any victims... Yeah. Um, their, their testimony in question right, by calling right. them an actor and selling them short. But, you know, I also get the opinion, too, that a lot of it is rooted in 
people who are scared of the implications of this stuff and don't want to talk about it. And yeah. ultimately, I guess this sort of hits at the root of what I dislike about the term conspiracy theorist is that, <clears throat> you know, it's loaded language yes. where it implies yeah. that there's something crazy about all this. Right. But the the core, I guess, of what, I, what I'm getting at is that we live in a system that's based on on deception in almost yeah. all facets, whether it's... I'm not talking about just politics or media. I'm talking about whether it's banking. Sure, man, whether absolutely. It's, whether it's everything. I, I mean, the way I look at it, man, when you have the term political theater as a known and accepted <laughs> yeah. term, I mean, when yeah. I was in school, you uh-huh. know, I took a political science class for an elective. That was in our definitions. I mean, yeah. so that has to tell you that there is a certain theatrical aspect or there wouldn't be the term. Yeah, of course. You know? Um, and, you know, Reverend, I, I want to give my opinion on, on what I think about crisis actors because I understand, you know, like I said, I said a little earlier, I do lean a little right culturally speaking, you know, but I do understand why some of the left has a problem with it because I even have a little bit of a problem with it myself to a certain degree. I'm like, I'm like agency. I do think that they do occur. And I think, you know, that you can't let, let any crisis go un, um, unused, I believe, is, is, is to saying something like what that. Or the, oh, the, the never go, let any crisis go. Go uh, to waste or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, and uh, I do think that people can be coached. I do think that not only our government, I think every fucking government in the world is capable of doing this kind of, kind of things. My issue of character actors, though, um, or crisis actors, I'm sorry. When I think of that, or when I hear that term, now I think of Sandy Hook. I mm-hmm. think of Alex Jones. You know, that's what got Alex Jones in so much hot water. Do I think they occur? Yes. Uh, but I do see the quote-unquote left's, you know, reaction as well. Man, I do, because I think you said it just a little bit ago, Reverend. It can take away from the victims. You know, you're, you're questioning the victim. You're, you're victim-blaming even to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying, hey, you're not legit. My biggest issue, though, I've, ever, I've always had with the quote-unquote conspiracy theory over crisis actors because I do think it does exist. I do think mm-hmm. it does happen. I do believe that. Yes, I do think in certain mm-hmm. cases, like like the one you were just talking mm-hmm. about with uh, you know the Kuwaiti uh, princess or whatever. But my biggest issue, man, I'll see these memes and I'll see things on social media where it'll show the same person or somebody who looks like the same person, and I just don't buy that at all, man. In other words, I think if you're going to have a crisis actor, I don't think you're going to use the same people for different crises. Mm-hmm. That to me makes no sense. I mean. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. In yeah, other words, like, yeah. if you're going to have especially in this this day and time where so everything's, much footage you yeah. can be, yeah. I, you know, I, if you so, if yeah. you believe what goes on anywhere is more complex than what newspapers say, you're already what they would call a, a in, in, in air quotes a conspiracy you're theorist. Right. After mm-hmm. that, it's just a matter of degrees. Yes, and, yes, I agree, I agree with that. You know, an extension of that, or really just kind of a logical uh, branch from that is what we experience in America, or not just America, but the world, almost always has a theatrical element to sure, it. Sure, uh, Or at least a secret side that we're not always privy to. Right. And, you know, to me to say that this stuff definitively never happens is crazy. Now, I've yeah, heard, agree, I've heard yes. some more, I've heard some more innocent explanations where this guy, who I'm, you know, I'm not going to name or anything, but somebody we all know, who, the, when the subject of crisis actors comes up, He's tried to tell me that, okay, I can buy that this happens, but I think that these are actors that they put out so that when the 
the emergency is ongoing and the media floods it, that they're not sticking cameras in the face of actual victims. Right. Uh, uh, okay, so, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Now that's yeah. a more innocent explanation yeah. for right, it. Right. Right. But um, I, I'm not sure that. I'm well, totally see, that's the thing. That. And it just, still, I, it, it would still be a lie. Too. Well, see. Yeah. That's know. what. I was, that's what I say. What I said earlier. People don't have. Most people don't have a problem getting in front of the camera and, and saying, you know, how they feel or right. or what's going on. Especially, you know, I've seen, a, you know, I've watched a lot of news with parents who have lost children. Who are they being, have not, they have no problem getting in front of a camera and just saying, you know, how they feel. Right. And There's a lot of people yeah, yeah. that act totally uncharacteristic for victims, too, that will get in front of the camera supposedly less than an hour after they've lost, you know, a child right. or a spouse. Mm-hmm or a parent and they're ready to ham it up and talk about yeah. the NRA like that's yeah. that's bullshit I'm I don't buy that that's hard for me to wrap my head around that too brother yeah. I, it just doesn't seem right I don't I, I don't have kids but I don't think I could get on camera no I mean I have nieces man and if something happened to them I'm I'm gonna be inconsolable right. for days. I mean, you know, days, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a parent, and yeah. that's the last thing I'd be thinking about. That's what I was. I know both yeah. of you guys have kids, yeah. and I I don't think either one of you guys could be on a camera an hour after something right. happened to your children. No. And uh, but once again, guys, I don't know. I mean, like I said, the crisis actor. I, I didn't like the Sandy Hook thing either, guys. I, I did not like that. Did uh, you see the video of the parent that uh, Robbie Parker? Was it the one who was laughing? Yeah, yeah, I did see that. I did, and I was. And he works himself up to. And then as soon as they say cameras rolling or what, he starts crying. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yes, I did. Um, then I, he did, starts doing well. He's he's pictured off camera laughing, you know, joking around, right. with police. And it, I mean, it almost sounds like uh, he's joking about a football game or something, right? And then uh, they go, okay cameras on it's, it's showtime and he goes yeah. ha ha it's showtime huh and, and he starts doing breathing hurt. exercises and yes. that's yeah <laughs> he right. goes yeah it's like lights camera action yeah yeah you know, now you're on you know i mean it's very it's it's hollywood shit yes i i think man that it's one of those situations to where it, it's a little bit of both you know i really do i think there's a lot of middle ground with the crisis actors yes i do think that it happens i mean it's it's been documented mm-hmm. right but I do think we have to watch out for like the Alex Jones types, you know. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of Alex Jones. I'm just I'm not either. I, I'm just not. I think he did use that tragedy to to capitalize off of it. I really do. And I think that I thought it was damn poor taste and just downright despicable calling these parents actors. You Very know? short I, side point. Anybody who believes Alex Jones is gospel, if there's any of you still out there wow. that exists, <laughs> I love I love I love watching Alex Jones. As much as I loved watching Chris Farley, just get that that red face and worked up. It's like he's gonna have a heart attack any moment. That's kind of why comes. Here comes. There's a video from 1999 where you can look this up on YouTube. It's of him doing real time updates throughout New Year's Eve, talking about oh the Y2K thing. (laughs) Yeah, and about uh, Russia knocking out a power grid and all this. Oh yeah, yeah. And after you, you know, you you suspect it all along. But I came across somebody showed me that video several years ago, and after that, I've never looked at him the same. Yeah. I mean, I always looked at him as like a little bit of a you know, I kinda, ham. I always looked yeah. at him like the Weekly World News. 
I really did. Now, there was a period of my life where I was buying into it a little bit. It's over a decade ago. But I always kind of equated Alex Jones and the Infowars to the Weekly World see, News. I could, to, to see, degree. for a long time, I couldn't figure out whether he was entertainment or whether he was yeah. just you know, a, a moron who reported every rumor as fact right. that came across his desk. The one thing I'll say about Alex Jones, the last time I really listened to him, once again, not to put over Joe Rogan too much, but he was on the Joe Rogan show. I don't know if you guys watched that episode or not. Oh, yeah. It's about yeah, four hours. Was, Have you watched that? Yeah. <laughs> that God, was all over the place. damn, man. I mean, there were actually moments where he seemed to make sense. I mean, he was making pretty decent sense. Then he would just kind of take a hard left turn. Into like psychic vampires and stuff like that, which he, hell who he, knows, man, that may be legit. I don't know. I just think, <laughs> you know, my, fi- my final word. I think he's got a great memory <laughs> as far as some facts, you know, keeping it. But uh, most of the other stuff, he just talks, talks circles, circles around circles. It's, dude. Yeah, my, <laughs> my my overall opinion on on this uh, topic period with Infowars is, I'm not a fan of Alex Jones, but I will speak up for in, in favor of info wars all day right. because i think it's a tremendous source of news that the mainstream media is going to cover over and, and you know and I, now it's yeah. largely up for to you to yes. seek it out and do your own research right. yeah on it but go to info wars ignore alex jones ignore the partisan spin but now, I, now I will also say if that you base your entire opinion on Infowars on Alex Jones, <laughs> you're missing out on some great guests. Amen. Right, yeah. right. And, and you know, I, I look at it, you know, it kind of similar. You know, it's like it's alternative news. I mean, you're not going to catch a lot of that stuff anywhere else. But you know, Reverend, it's just like you were saying, find out for yourself. You know, use it as a guide. If you if you do watch Alex Jones, just don't take it for what it what he says. Right. right. Look it up for yourself. Yeah. You know, just like we say here on this show. You know, look it up. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're going to let you know where to go with this stuff. But, yeah, you know, I, I just don't think at this point, if you're going to talk crisis actors, you have to bring up Alex Jones. Because yeah, that was course. such, you know, such a huge controversy. And like I said, and, you know, guys, it also makes me wonder a little bit about, you know, freedom of speech, quote, unquote, freedom of speech from press as well. You know, because even though I don't like what he did, I don't like how he capitalized, and I don't agree with what he says, it does feel a little bit like it's stifling his right yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know all the details. I don't know all the legal details, but I do think we have to be careful with that as well. Like I said, man, I mean, when the Weekly World News would come out and say, you know, aliens and, you know, Nancy Reagan had a baby together, you know, I'm not going to believe that. I mean, but I don't think that they should be, be taken off the shelves. You, <laughs> yeah, you know? I'll, I'll read it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll give it, and I'll you know, give it a look. Yeah, hell, yeah. <laughs> Especially Bat Boys on the cover. Yeah. I mean, you know. yeah. yeah, now, with crisis actors, there's been a number of big ones over the last several years like the boston marathon uh the aurora colorado theater shooting sandy hook Mm -hmm. the isis attacks in paris the las vegas shooting but the one that i would say really captured the national spotlight in america more than any other has been the parkland shooting with david hogg and emma gonzalez yeah well that definitely made crisis actors like mainstream as far as you know the term the term yeah. absolutely for sure absolutely nobody knew who crisis actor was before not that l- not unless you were a quote unquote no, conspiracy theorist yeah, yeah there, yeah. there was no mention of it ever mainstream until these kids yeah what yeah, you yeah. really had after the parkland shooting was you had these high school kids who don't talk like high school kids no, at all no they don't right. no. and they don't seem to be processing a tragedy 
you know, even though I'm not going to tell people how you have to process sure. a tragedy or make some kind of universal blanket statement Absolutely. about human behavior, gonna, but they they definitely don't act like people processing a tragedy. Gonna, they act gonna, like people who have been coached to talk about the Second Amendment. I'm going to go. I'm going to go on the other side of that. I'm going to stand on the other side of this okay. fence for for at least a, a minute and go. I know kids like this. Theater kids, well, and theater kids—they're—they're—they're own entities. And every time I heard these kids talk, they sounded like theater kids. I can't, you know, that's a valid point, agency. Yeah, I mean, but there again, theater—they're theater kids. And now we that coming back over on the other side of the fence. Yeah, you You know what the missing factor is from theater kids. A script. Yeah. A- exactly. Amen. And that's where we're going to hop back over on the other yeah, side yeah, of the fence. Yeah, I was going to say it kind of like, goes full hey, circle now. A, but yeah, I mean, no, I, I've seen these kids. I've seen these kids around here. And, and they're always the theater kids. And they, they, they just talk. There, There's something... They're not like normal, just normal school kids. Are you trying to say theater kids aren't normal? No, definitely not. I am. No, definitely not. They are not the normal school kids. So are you trying to say they act like they're on a stage 24 hours a day? Absolutely. I think You better believe it. I think you got to have that to be a theater or any kind of entertainer. I mean, I think you have to be on all the time. You've known people, you know. Oh, absolutely. You've known people in the theater from school on up. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there is that definite, It's on. It's always on. It it is. And, like I said, I don't think you can really turn that off. I mean, you know, I think that's just who you are. Yeah. But it also leads to question, did the media seek those kids out? Well, you know, David Hogg, he has family connections with the CIA. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, you didn't know that? No, no, Reverend. No, no. Is it his uh, father was a, a retired or uh, CIA agent, or he might still be active? I had I've never heard that man. That that is new to me. Now I'm not going to lie, mm-hmm. guys. By the time this story was breaking, I was so over just everything in the mm-hmm. news. I, I I really turned this shit off, man, because it was just so. You know, for one, man, you're talking about a school shooting. Yeah. You know, this is tragic, man. These are children. You know, mm-hmm. and so. And I know as soon as it happened, people on my Facebook, you know, start politicizing it. And Second mm-hmm. Amendment started coming yeah. up. Man, the bodies were still warm. This you know? side, and this side. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, they have, I mean, these kids were just, like I said, yeah. the bodies were still warm. Yeah. And it just offended me. It did. I was like, in fact, I think I even took one of my Facebook breaks at that time. I'm like, screw this, man. I got to get the right. away from this, you know. Uh, so I didn't really follow it that that closely. I really didn't, but I know yeah. who they are. I mean, Jesus Christ, man! Everybody knew who they were. They're everywhere. They were plastered yeah. all over the place. You know. I mean, yeah. fuck! They were on the cover of Time. I Time, think. Yeah, 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 they were. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I said, man, it was you could not escape. You know. But once again, man, they took a tragedy, and they tried and to turn spun it. It spun it, man, yeah. to their agenda. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's just unacceptable. No, I'm a I'm I'm really pro just, Second Amendment anyway. I just I, you know. now now I'm starting to think. You know, we look back in their kind of in their uh, background. I, I wonder if they were theater kids. <laughs> I, I may I may check that out to see to see if, if if they had anything as far as you know theater classes or anything like that. I mean, I could see the media going in and being like, "Hey, we need some spokes kids here. Do, you know, who are your actors? Who are your theater yeah. types? Who are your, you know, maybe your AG students, perhaps? You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, man, there are you, some you know, strange connections. Like when you get in, when you really start digging in to the 
belligerence and the primary actors, and and I'm not saying actors necessarily in a theatrical term here. I'm saying like actors and a participant yeah. in any right. of these things. When you start looking into all of them, there's some pretty odd connections. Well, like, give me an example like, that come up. Well, for example, in the Boston Marathon bombing, do you remember these uh, these two boys? Um, one of them was. Uh, what were their names? There was uh, uh, the Sarnayev brothers. The oldest one was uh, Tamerlan Sarnayev and Jahar, I believe, was the youngest that one. sounds familiar. Okay. Uh, it does sound familiar to me. So they were the two that, you remember the story, they used a pressure cooker bomb. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. uh, set it off at the Boston Marathon. Yeah, right, right. Well, if you can remember during the week or so where they were on the run and Boston was on martial law, right. they were doing house-to-house sweeps. They had an uncle who was all over TV saying, you know, uh, you two are losers. The, the whole family that. doesn't like you. Yeah. Go turn yourself in. Um, and, you know, of course, a lot of other things came to light, like that the oldest uh, brother, he had traveled within the last two years uh, several times to Chechnya to go train for jihad with the the group, the uh, Caucasian Emirate in Chechnya. Right, right. So I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's this uncle who's the key factor when you start looking into it. He is married to a woman, uh, to a white woman, whose father was the head of the CIA operations in Central Europe during the Soviet-Afghan conflict um, over uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, all the Stan St- nations. Right. Cent- so Central Asia. But during the 1980s, he was the head of all that. And, you know, that's... <laughs> I can what? see the look on your face, uh, but yeah. No shit, man. I had never heard that. that yeah. That's blowing my mind. And man. that's not, you know... We're not going to have to make a big stretch here talking about connections because this potentially puts the two Boston bombers and this guy in the same living room. Room, yes. I mean, damn, dude. That I, I, I don't even know what to say. You know, yeah. I'm over here like stammering over my words, man. That is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Let's look at this right quick. Pulled up on uh, David Hogg. FBI, former FBI. Okay. His father. Okay. Uh, Kevin Hogg. Uh, Hogg chose to attend Stoneman Douglas because of the television production classes it offered. Uh, okay. Well, there we go. Th- I mean, do, do we need to say anything? He any is more a Team Link reporter for the Sun Sentinel. Uh huh. So he already had media training. You know, trying to get into the business. He knew how to speak, and he has a background of deep state influence. Yeah, right there, man. Right there. So, yeah, that's... um, So, if you're talking about somebody who would be recruited to be used as somebody to ham it up for the camera and get political... (laughs) Who better? Yeah. Who better than somebody who's already in the broadcasting department, man? And, you know... Wow. And... Never you that. know, during during the last show, how when we were talking about false flags, you had brought it up, uh, <laughs> Thunder Pud number two, <laughs> talking about is this this isn't just a uniquely American right, phenomenon right. either, and you know 
it's not with crisis actors either. Right. right. There's when we talk about uh, family connections or play the six degrees of Kevin Bacon game <laughs> with some of the actors and belligerents involved. When you go to the UK and start looking at it, there's some that are every bit, if not even more weird. Really? Like, um, a lot of these figures, uh, a good example is this one that uh, was Jihadi John in ISIS, this uh, Muhammad Mwazi guy. You, you, Jihadi you, John sounds familiar. He was the one that when ISIS was beheading Western journalists, that he was the one who wore the balaclava and uh, you know was out there in the middle of the desert and said you know this is America for this is a message for you America okay. and such right. and yeah. such and would do the beheading right okay well he went to SOAS which is connected with uh, Oxford I believe but it's uh, the School of Oriental and African Studies okay. in Britain and it's long been suspected of being the major MI5 recruiting ground oh really okay yeah okay. and. But yeah, a number of people like that who all come from similar backgrounds of having, uh, or being first or second generation uh, diaspora from uh, the Middle East or North Africa in the United Kingdom, going to schools like this. Right. And boom, you know, Yeah, man, I mean, there it is. I mean, it, you know, it's just these connections. And, you know, I know this is slightly, off, well, not slightly off subject, very off subject, you know, just talking about connections, I... I mean, even when I heard that George Bush and Barack Obama were related. Have yeah. You, have, yeah, I mean, it just makes you wonder. You know, I mean, it really does. I think all presidents except for one or two are related. They, they, yeah. yeah, they all share, like, common ancestry. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, once again, you know, Barack Obama and Bush, you know, who, who would have? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. sure enough, they do have that common background or a common ancestry line. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, and, and, you know, it's just so strange because there's so many people out there that just disregard this information, you know, whether that's just a right-wing nut, you know, that's a conspiracy theorist. And I do find it somewhat disturbing that conspiracy theorists and right-wing nut tend to be the same thing now or, or so interconnected, which I don't personally believe that, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, uh, Muhammad Mwazi or Jihadi John, there was one that I had seen back when this was going on, when ISIS was releasing their uh, beheading videos. But when I was pulling this up, making uh, notes for this show, was one of the uh, captured journalists who they ended up using as a propaganda piece over in the Islamic State, who was from Britain, was this guy named uh, John Cantley, that spelled C-A-N-T-L-I-E. And I remember looking at that going, okay, John can't lie. Can't lie. Man, they must think we're Holy fucking retards. Holy shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, the CIA thinks we're stupid. God damn, man. That's kind of like, you know, we're trying to hide our identities on here. You <laughs> yeah. know? It's like we're the Midnight Rider podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, man. I mean, can't lie. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mean, it, it almost does. can't get right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's almost insulting, man. You know, it's uh, like really, really, you think that? Well, guys, I wow. tell you, we're we're actually up on our hour mark. Um, I know we 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 had some discussion about some you know current news and everything. So, I you know I don't want to wrap it up just yet, but um, I was going to say, Doctor, is there any anything we definitely want to hit on this subject? Wow. <laughs> and of course, man, we're we're going to be back next month. You know, I mean, you know, we can always obviously expand on this later There's on. There's not but. a lot I can think of right off the top of my head. One, I'd like to 
say or just briefly touch on this hours how we were talking about current events at the beginning of this is we had uh, a man who ran for president uh, eight times. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, right. Between 1976 and 2004, right. who just died within the last week, Lyndon LaRouche. Um, yes. I know you said you weren't very familiar no, with him. No. Well, I remember back in the fall of 2007, I believe, he was speaking at a local college, and they aired it on the public access channel. And I remember uh, flipping through the channels in my living room, had some friends over, and we called it. And he talked for about three hours, and it was so damn compelling, we almost got up and drove there. Really? To watch. <laughs> but it was it's still to this day one of the most off-the-wall speeches I ever heard where... You know, he, he hits on the Bush family's connections with uh, Hitler and the Third Reich, right. going back to Prescott Bush. Right, right. Um, he talks about the Queen of England uh, and adrenochrome and those guys yeah, drinking yeah. infant blood. That was what captivated me. Yeah. When you said that, I'm like, what? Yeah. Now, the, 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 the most interesting thing I heard him say during the entire part that sort of blew me away was he said that World War Three is uh, about six months out and it's about to go down and that the two sides in it are Anglo-Swiss banking institutions and their proxy armies and former Soviet satellite nations. And when I heard that, I I was like, that is the most off-the-wall shit I've ever heard. But when you start playing mental gymnastics and like going forward... To 2019, you're like, man, that doesn't sound all that crazy. Isn't it a trip, man? The longer you've been in these conspiracy theories, because I started getting into them about 91, 92, mm-hmm. it does kind of blow my mind the, the farther out we come, how those theories are sort of coming to light. Like, globalism is now a thing. I mean, that's yeah. legit. I mean, you wouldn't even have said that back in the 90s. You right. know what I'm saying? Just certain things like that you start seeing and hearing. It's like, wow, man, maybe maybe William Cooper was onto something. You yeah. know? Yeah. But uh, like I said, I haven't even heard of this guy. But when I saw you post about it, and obviously when I see the Reverend post about something, I look into it. I want to look it up. There you go. And so I did. I looked this guy up, and apparently, man, he was all over the place. He I, was. It looks like he was far left for a while, far and right, far right, and then kind of went somewhere just far out is what I was. And he was <laughs> he was accused over the years of being a little bit of everything. He was accused of being anti-Zionist. Um, and you know, you, you if you can come up with a term and put anti in front of it, I mean, he was, it, it was accused him. of it. It was him. Yeah. But still, man, the, the world did lose a pretty compelling character. You know? Yeah, 96. Yeah. I mean, um, oh, you know, he, he in his lifetime, he saw the, the two sides really go from, like, left to right to left. And, you know, to it was, hard, a, it was a different hard, right. left back then oh, yeah, yeah, than oh, it was right. It was so much of a different right back then that oh, yeah. the, it just kind of reversed its role. So It kind of has, really, man. Liberalism really yeah. has sort of went off the deep end as far as freedom of speech, yeah. freedom of expression, things like this, man. To yeah. Whereas the right was so far off that edge. On their end, yeah. right, right. Well, the parties have both gone to the far end of the spectrum. They really have. There, there's really right. not a lot of middle ground anymore. There's not. And, it, you know, if you want to go back and approach this from a political theory perspective, where this really started was when, d- during the years in between Reagan and Bush Jr., 
the original base of the Republican Party had been out west. Right. Okay, by redirecting that and making the new party base the deep south. Yeah, yeah. right. What it did was it got rid of all of the moderate, in air quotes, yeah. Democrats who were holdovers from the 1960s. Right. The old blue dogs. Yeah. You're right. And it, it got rid of them, and people from both sides left the fence and left the idea of any commonality right. and went far left and far right yeah. to where now, like we've said before, politics is really just, you know, like battle rap yeah, when they get yeah. together to debate. Yeah. Seriously, man. Yeah. And it's like you said, I thought we've lost a lot of common ground here. And it almost seems like both parties are fighting internally because I still do think you have those moderates, but man, they're getting outweighed every day. I mean, they're just getting pushed more and more to the back. But I think you, you'll hear both parties say that about the other. Yeah. In other words, Republicans would say, well, there's a civil war in the Democratic Party. The Democrats say, well, there's a civil war in the Republican Party. And I think they're both right. Yeah. I really do. I think it's more about extremism versus center, centered, being centered, well, a, being a, moderates. Another know. good example for you is just something that's easily objective and verifiable is that among the left, Bernie Sanders is, in 2020 anyway, considered a very common sense candidate hey, yeah, right, among right. a lot of people. Among the right... Trump is considered a very common sense candidate. Right. When you have yeah, when you have what we would have called middle ground uh, candidates, they're weak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I and just to kind of take that point a little further, man, if you would have said Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump were your average candidates twenty years ago, man, you'd been laughed out of the fucking yeah. room. Yeah. I mean, for one, Trump wouldn't even be in the conversation, right. and Bernie Sanders was so far to the left, man, nobody took him seriously yeah. Yeah. until like these last yeah, years. had a better so, chance you know. with Ross Perot. Hell, a lot of <laughs> real. I mean, honestly, though, man. Hell, yeah, people really yeah. didn't take Ron Paul seriously they never, for a long, long time. time man. You know, and I, I'm, a, I'm more of a Ron Paul guy. I mean, I guess if I had to identify with a politician, probably more of the Pauls, you know, but because uh, I yeah. got into a huge Ron Paul phase there for a while. But, yeah, man, I mean, wow. You know, it's just amazing, though, that these so far out politicians and personalities are now the norm. Right. And that, that's kind of kind of weird. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> don't get me wrong, man. I wouldn't vote for Bernie Sanders, but I don't think everything he says is bullshit. I think he makes a lot of good points. I really do. I just think his policy is a little, you know, unrealistic. That's just my mm -hmm. opinion. Right. But, uh, well, what I'd just like to see is, to, to close that out, I'd like to see people just stop talking shit two years out and just... Go ahead and admit you're going to vote for whoever the party but, nominates. For real. Right. For real, man. Quit the stupid bullshit. Well, I won't vote for, you know, Joe Biden. or yeah. You're going to no vote. No bullshit. You're going to vote for whoever the party puts in Thank front of you. you. Thank right. you. Why they even have primaries, I don't know, man. They need to go into a room and figure that shit out and just say, okay, so-and-so's running. Yeah. We're done. It's up to you. Done. Go. Done. You. Yep, done and done. Yep. Because who's ever got that D beside their name is getting the vote. Yep. Just like Trump's going to get to ours. I mean, it's yeah. just how it is. Yep. Yep. You know. Well, guys, I guess we'll go ahead and close segment one out. But don't go anywhere. We're going to uh, have a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with segment two. What's up, Puds? This is Jason from the podcast with Jason and Mike, and I'm here to invite you to check out the premier video game store in the greater Charlotte area, GameSwap, located at 112 Fort Square in beautiful downtown Lincoln in the great state of North Carolina. Whether you're looking to buy, sell, or trade classic consoles and games like Nintendo, Atari, and Sega, or modern systems like Xbox One and PS4, GameSwap has you covered. And GameSwap is much more than just a video game store. T-shirts, comics, records, toys, collectibles, and much, much more are all here. So get on down to beautiful downtown LinkedIn and check it out for yourselves. And don't forget to like them on Facebook. And hey, while you're at it, check out the podcast with Jason and Mike with a new episode dropping every Sunday. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Podcast.com. 
Music provided by Silence is My Canvas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. I'm Thunderpud number two. And once again, welcome to the good news with the Reverend Doctor, volume three. Agency, I'm going to turn it over to you, brother. Now, I know on this next segment, we have both been looking forward to this. Yes. So much, in fact, I didn't even wear my Nikes to come here because I, I was afraid to get a blowout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a sports show. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> you know, I heard Nike fired the eight-year-old who made this. <laughs> <laughs> No, no five cent for you, motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> Thirty seconds in, man. Blowout. What? I mean, really, dude. Really? Wow. Yeah, that eight-year-old will never work again. Nope. <laughs> I was watching the Bucks game, and and <laughs> he had his hours cut at the sweatshop. <laughs> yeah. I was watching the Bucks game, and he didn't have a big blowout like Zion did, but man, he lost his shoe. Yeah. I, I didn't even uh, see that, man. Yeah. Nike stock. Boom. Plummet. Plummeting, yeah. man. Boom. Plummeting. They need some more of that woke capitalism is what they need, brother. Ooh. I use that term a lot, Reverend. I've been using that term a lot lately. Woke uh, capitalism. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You it's, want, it's a thing. You, do you want to? Because you're, you're the first person I ever heard use that. Did you coin that term? I think I did. I you think. Got, go for it. You got it. Well, basically, and obviously, if I'm wrong or, you know, if I need correction, please do. But the way I understand it, um, basically, it's marketing and promotional um type situations where you're marketing to liberals or far or not maybe necessarily far left people but people on the left in other words like when nike with the uh what was the guy's name man cole pepper kaepernick kaepernick, kaepernick. kaepernick. Oh, yeah. yeah you know well that's why they were using him you know because obviously the the political you know left leaning political stance with him you know kneeling for the the um, yeah. anthem and all this and it's basically just trying to appeal to a more liberal uh, market base right. because it's companies pretending to care about social justice right. That's, right. that's it man that's it because basically conservatives aren't really a good marketed group in, in in business conservatives are considered to be the most useless demographic well right. white conservatives specifically right are considered to be the most useless demographic of all because they're not a group that organizes well right um as far as going out to support a product or buy in mass that you know there's no white christian conservative community organizers the same way you have in the black community or in other minority groups right right. and the only there's only been two really successful examples that marketing experts uh, usually point to that have taken place within the last 20 years and the first is when they went out uh, in mass to support Mel Gibson during right. the Passion of the Christ. Yes. And the second was uh, Chick-fil-A. Right. And, man, you talk about some great marketing. Wow. I remember, man, you couldn't get into Chick-fil-A after all that. Everybody's like, we're going to boycott and bring them down. I was like, man, I think you just made their stock go up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, but, yeah, the whole, I, I really like that term woke capitalism. It's still, like you said, it's big business trying to pretend that they care about these social issues, and they're just trying to sell products, just like Gillette. With the whole shave your right. toxic masculinity, uh-huh. things like that, you know. Uh, I just think it's kind of hilarious that a lot of people on the left, and I understand their reasoning, maybe are anti-corporate, you yeah. know, maybe even anti-capitalist <clears throat> to a certain degree. You well, know, I, I said the same thing about the NFL back when a number of these players got suspended or fired for uh, domestic violence. Because... At the end of the day, I don't think that the corporate office of the NFL is in a room full of old, rich, white dudes really cares right, about right. you know a gold digger getting hit in an elevator. Exactly. What they care about is that 
women as a buying demographic are going to stop buying jerseys. Buying their product. It's always about money. I mean, it's about that bottom line. I mean, it's a business. Yeah, I don't don't think the WWE truly cares, in quotes, whether Hulk Hogan's a racist. I don't think that the Food Network really cares if Paula Deen is a racist. Right. What they care about is that if they don't appear to look like they have a deep conviction on social justice that right. their numbers are going to take a hit. Going to go down. Yeah. And like I said, I think the term woke capitalism is perfect for yeah. that. When I heard that or read that, I was like, wow, man, that's uh, and I, I use that. Like I said, I'll, I'll, you know, WWE especially, me and a friend of mine were talking about um, how they're kind of using the women empowerment movement, you know, mm-hmm. in their in their women's division and uh, just how I feel it's more marketing than it's yes. actually, you know, let, let, let's elevate Actual these women. sincere. Correct. Or, right. I, I don't think it's as sincere as a lot yeah. of people do. Because let's face it, man, with Tina, and I know we're not a wrestling show, uh, but if you do want to watch or listen to a wrestling show, the podcast with Jason and Mike usually. Uh, hey, into that I've stuff. heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, it's okay. So, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, a little silly. It gets out. It yeah. gets a little out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I was just having that discussion. You know, it's like, I think WWE, I mean, when, when TNA were putting on all women pay per views, you know, the WWE still had a butterfly belt. So I, it's kind of hard for me to sit here all and right. say, oh, well, man, they're all about women empowerment. No, right now it's making them money. Yeah. You know? But anyway, anyway, Absolutely. once again, woke capitalism. Yeah. So we're about to dive into the deep end here. Oh, boy. Uh, Agency, you want to let them know what this segment's on? You may be familiar with this. You may not be. But the topic for this hour is going to be the satanic panic. Yes, sir. If you're not around for this, this was a phenomenon. You missed a great time in music, people. <laughs> you did. My gosh. <laughs> Movies as well, I guess. You know. It could. It could be. But mostly, it, it was geared towards the metal movement. Yeah, it, it was a big uh, part the of the early it. '80s. Yeah, it was. It was a big part of it. Uh, you know, something else. That well, was brought it, in. it even kind of started in the in the. Late seventies, yeah. you know, with, with yeah. bands like Kiss, and that's yeah. Black kinda, Sabbath. Black Sabbath obviously, was a big yeah. one. Alice Cooper. I'm going to say it goes back even earlier to the late sixties. Would, would you say like with Anton Lavey, possibly? Well, I'm before we go into the Satanic Panic and begin talking about its facets of what it was. Let's talk about its origins, okay? And I guess where it came from. <clears throat> so. In the late 60s, one of the real phenomenons you had pop up was the rise of new religions and what we can also call the anti-cult movement. Um, There were three big uh, segments or groups of this that popped up that you began having not just kids but white Christian kids from white Christian families... (laughs) embracing uh, what we'll call new religions relatively for America. And the three are uh, Asian religions, like specifically uh, ISKCON or the Hare Krishna movement, okay. uh, or Buddhism, like the way the uh, the Beatles. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, that type of thing. Um, ancient or occult traditions. Um, like, like paganism? Sort of, of, yeah, okay. yeah, paganism. Wicca, maybe? 
Yeah, uh, a lot of those can all fall under the umbrella okay. of it. Um, Satanism, even possibly now, right. Satanism in the Luciferian sense, not so much the Anton Levay right. Satanism sense. And the third category is I couldn't think of a real term for it uh, beyond what we can best call human potential movements. Humanistic humanists. Well, by, by human potential movements, what I more mean is. Uh, ESP, uh, uh, I got you. Scientology is I a big see. one. Mm-hmm. Um, thing, you, you get what where I'm going. Yeah, with that. yeah, absolutely or, right. New New Age, yes. very very right. I yeah, got you. Uh, he, movements that were based in this is what humans can be can can evolve into. Yeah. Yes, right. human Yuri Geller, potential movements. Right, Yuri Geller type stuff. Hypnosis, yeah. for yeah. example. I yeah. see. Okay. Yeah. So. Asian religions, uh, ancient occult traditions, and human potential movements right. were what you began seeing kids from white Christian families uh, playing with right. or outright converting into, and there was a panic that centered around that. Right. And the response to it was a number of these groups popping up. Uh, one of them was the Christian Research Institute, right? Uh, the Spiritual Counterfeits Project, which was based in the very um, modern idea within evangelical Christianity of spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. right? And the third is a big one uh, called the Cult Awareness Network, okay. which was a group that was sort of like a hotline that would pop up where concerned parents would call and say <laughs> you know my child is getting interested or involved in this I want you to deprogram them right. almost like an alcoholic anonymous hotline but for your satanic kids yeah basically and there, and there were some strange things that popped up like wow. uh, people being kidnapped by mm-hmm. this group and deprogrammed really right. yeah oh wow man so it went to that extreme yeah I mean, it, damn okay yeah it, it was pretty out there um so, part of what the, what this came from is you begin seeing a real emphasis on the word cult for the first time. Right. And, you know, while there were ones that definitely fit this category, like the Manson family or like Jonestown, right. a lot of these were, just like I said, in those first three categories, they were largely pretty harmless things, but the word cult began getting thrown at every new religious movement right. that popped up. And, you know, the emphasis or the the unspoken um, implication of the word cult is that these kids are all being brainwashed. Right. That right. they're lost. Right. They're being veered away from the, the right way, and they've got... There's some charismatic guru figure... Who's fucking them all up? Like right. a Charlie Manson or a Jim Jones type. You know? Alistair yes. Crawley. Crawley. Yeah, well, Crawley would have been a lot earlier though. That would have been pro- what the late 1800s. Yes, I think. the late 1800s. Oh, early you 1900s. know, he still had like a like a oh huge cult. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a lot of followers. Oh, sure. On up until we talked about that seventies. We talked yeah. about that on the first show we did, uh, where the religion that he spawned or Maybe not the religion, but the applied uh, occult tradition, uh, Thelema, was followed by uh, Jack Parsons, who was head of uh, right. Jet Propulsion Laboratories. That's right. And, 
you know, L. Ron Hubbard was very much a part of that, and of you know, the the evolution into Scientology. Right, right, right. Um, so basically, like I was saying, all new religions were branded as cults under the ideology of spiritual warfare, and. Now, there were a number of other things that also emerged at the same time that sort of created this perfect storm, like Anton LaVey, who created what we think of as the Church of Satan. Right. You know, what I call it is Ayn Rand in her embarrassing high school golf phrase. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Holy shit. Ouch. D- that is phenomenal. Ouch. Can we get that on a Ouch. t-shirt? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> That makes well, so were, much fucking sense, though, well, man. There, that, that's perfect. Analogy. Well, there were, there were definitely two parts to that 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 uh, that group. You know, there was the the part before Anton had taken over. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure. Well, and Anton Anton kind of came out and brought it more into. The, a mainstream, uh, almost like a mainstream, yeah. but he he brought more light to it. More, yeah. Well, see, there's more, a difference between r- Satanism and Luciferianism. Right, right, right. Because Luciferianism is a very old tradition, and you would see it with the eccentric rich. You would see it in uh, the poor in third world countries. You'd also see it in mental institutions and everywhere. But it right. was what we, what the average person would think of as Satanism. It's right. the idea of Satan as a theistic concrete figure right. who is worshipped as the counterpoint to God as a deity. Right. Whereas Satanism in the Levian sense of the word is an atheist philosophy. Uh, it's almost hyper-atheism. Yes, uh, it's the idea of worshipping man for all of his carnal uh, desires, right. all of his urges, and not right. distancing them um, like Christianity. Or suppressing them. Through, yeah. through through Christianity, do do what is it? Do as thine own will, or well, that w- that was that was Crowley. His that was idea Crowley. Was, okay, it was do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That's right, right. But yeah. but Levey took that and kind of carried it on into, I guess, a, the next generation. Is it, would that be a fair? Well, a little backstory on Anton Levey. His real name was Howard Stanton Levey. Okay, but at some point he changed it to Anton Xander Levey because he thought it sounded tougher. I guess. And it kind of does. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Did you say Howard was his original? Yeah, How- Howard Stanton Levey. I don't think we'd be talking about Howard Levey right oh, now. No. <laughs> I, mean, you know. I don't think Howie would have gotten the time. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah now, fuck Howard. Now uh, Howie had a number of jobs. <laughs> uh, he had been uh, <laughs> Howie Levey. I'm glad. <laughs> we <laughs> shit. All right, man. <laughs> so it just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Guys, this is the serious show, y'all. Come on. <laughs> All right, three, two, <laughs> three, one. Take. <laughs> so take two. Uh, so Howie had been a police photographer. <laughs> 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 can't can't do it, man. Howie Levey, shit, y'all. He okay. He had been a police photographer. He had uh, worked with the circus. Um, That's right. I remember hearing that. He yeah. was just, you know, a really eccentric figure who was known in Hollywood circles. And when Rosemary's Baby came out in, was it 66 or 67? Yes. It was in the late... 67. About 67. Yeah, 67. Yeah. Um, he released the Satanic Bible as a tie-in with the movie. Or not maybe a direct tie-in, but a commercial cash grab right. yeah. with Did, the movie. Right. 
taking um, advantage of that that hype. Yeah, and right. yeah. and see, Anton or <laughs> Howie. <laughs> I'm gonna call him Howie from now. Howie, on. Howie Levey, man. <laughs> that's how it is. That's how he is. Yeah. So our old friend Howie, he was considered pretty much an unknown eccentric up until the 1980s. Oh yeah, right. Uh, right he was right, definitely right. a showman. Yeah, I mean, he was yeah. known by a lot of these people like uh, Sammy Davis Jr., yes, right. Marilyn Monroe, Jane Mansfield, uh, with a lot of the eccentric Hollywood crowd. Right. But you know, there was. I mean, this may be going way off into another area, but there was a lot of connections with uh, people who were in the Manson family. Like, yeah. through the connections with uh, movie directors like Kenneth Anger, um, Sharon Tate and Susan Atkins, people like that, knew each other. Right, right. And a lot of what that boils down to is it's not a big, you know, weird conspiracy. It's that in places like Hollywood, when you start dealing with the underworld, uh, drug dealers... Cult figures, uh, porn stars, musicians—they yeah. all kind of operate on the same field of um, existence. They all know each other. They're all in the same circles. I, I mean, not unlike like when we would go clubbing in, in a bigger city. You know, you see the same people in the same kind of clubs. Yeah, you know, like-minded people. One thing I, I heard years ago that has always made sense to me is that the way to understand the the Manson murders, for example, is that when Sharon Tate is sitting there in her living room and she sees Susan Atkins and Tex Watson walk in. Her reaction wasn't, who are you? It's, oh, hey, what are you doing here? Yeah, right. But she knew him. Yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, these weren't people who were Just breaking into your house. Exactly. They knew each other. They they all knew each other. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, white kids... Uh, converting to different religious traditions and movements back in the late 1960s. Um, Rosemary's Baby and well, the you, rise of Levain Satanism. And, you know, just counterculture in general, you know, yeah. like with the hippie movement, mm-hmm. flower power, stuff like that, you know, that's all kind of intertwined as well, you know. Yeah. Um, so, horror movies and a number of different musical genres like the the big ones are the bit the big one period is heavy metal music sure. but on the fringe or periphery of that you also had several of the genres that popped up in the aftermath of punk like what we right. could call post-punk like uh industrial and goth right mm-hmm. right um those were a little bit bigger in uh britain for their satanic panic but it was very much on the periphery here right. yeah right because I know, I mean, really, my first, I guess, exposure to the Satanic Panic was an Geraldo uh, special that came on. There was a 2020 one like that yeah, also. 2020. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. Geraldo, Donahue. Donahue did one. Yeah, anything yeah. that was a daytime talk show or, had their Satanic uh, cult music their show. episode. And, yeah. and like I said, it was in primetime as well. Oh, you know, yeah. 2020, and I think the Gerardo, uh special was in primetime. And people tuned in in droves. Yes. yes. I remember uh, watching that with my parents. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, you talk about, and I know your parents as well, Agency. Yeah. You know, because we're in the oh, same yeah. area, and I mean, man, we they <laughs> were they were panicked. Talk about they uncomfortable. Really were... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I remember uh, when my mother asked me if I had any Ozzy Osbourne cassette tapes. Uh, I'm kind of giving my age away a little bit with uh, that. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, yeah. 
you know, of course I do. You know, mm-hmm. dad buys them for mm-hmm. me. You know, <laughs> no, I didn't tell her that, you know, because, yeah, you know. Many times I was threatened <laughs> with, we will burn your your records and yeah. your cassettes. Seriously, yeah. I mean, my mother told me point blank that you will not you are evil. See, yeah. my, see, my yeah. point was a little bit after that. Um, I know you guys were both around when it was Manson, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, and oh, groups like that. See, right. when I was coming up, the big ones were Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. Manson, right. yeah. yeah. I think for us, man, the two big ones were Ozzy and Judas Priest. And even Metallica with Fade to Black, that one had some controversy because of the suicides and, yeah. you know, Suicide Solution by Ozzy Osbourne. That's why my... I would say uh, definitely Ozzy. Ozzy was like the top tier. The, the number <laughs> that one. Was, yeah. That was it. Well, his Kiss behavior in there. too. You know, yeah, Knights and Satan Service. You know, I mean, Zeppelin, yeah. you know, the backward mask. Yeah. That was something about the Satanic Panic that was really the most, I guess, fascinating to me was the backward masking stuff. Yeah. Brother, I couldn't wait to get metal albums and play them backwards. <laughs> swear to God. I swear to God, man. I wanted to hear that shit. You know, it, well, it, it, you, it was curious. You know, I well, was curious about well, it. Well, let me tell you, uh, with, with the Geraldos and the Donahues and even going forward into like the PMRC. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was huge, yeah. huge, yes. big deal. I, I say the, PMR, the PMRC did for heavy metal what the dare program did for Different drugs, drugs. <laughs> yeah. because it put it out there oh and it, it okay this is this is dangerous stuff it said holy we, shit this exists this, this yeah, yeah this is yeah. Uh, we got we've got to check this out brother you want to talk about metal i'll say the pmrc <laughs> is who really created hip-hop as we know it today absolutely because one thing you had to do is slap that label on and now you can say whatever the hell yes. you want to say and my god they did yeah. even more so the metal acts yep. you know metal acts actually had to start keeping up with hip-hop acts to to maintain that edge and that yep. heaviness because hip-hop took it brother now it wasn't satanic per se no getting back into our original subject matter but man you talk about it language, did for it did for, for like I said, you know, it did for what the dare, dare did for drugs. Yeah, as yeah, a very yeah. as a very short thirty second aside that is barely only related. Where you were talking about hip hop, and which you can credit with it. Have you ever heard that the true origin of hip hop being the cultural giant that it is? Where it really came from was the New York blackout in the late seventies. No, it was because there was a power outage in New York that lasted uh, I'm not even sure how long but you had all this cutting edge new musical equipment at the time like keyboards samplers turntables and all the kids went into stores and looted looted. and so it put all the cutting edge equipment into the hands of kids for the first time and and they took that and just and created a genre a genre that that is the most dominant genre to this day yeah so we can credit we can credit rioting looting and uh, <laughs> with yeah, with creating uh, arguably the biggest music genre in the world uh, uh, ever. Definitely, ever, the ever. blackout created it. The PMRC promoted it, yes. and, and took it to a new level. Yeah, because yeah. they couldn't say whatever the hell they wanted at the beginning, just like metal acts can. Right, and then once the PMRC says, you know, we got to have a warning label. Man, that was opening up the floodgates, you know. But even getting back to the Satanic Panic, I know with my parents from a personal viewpoint. My mother, you know, and God bless my mother, but she was, swear to God, y'all, she was scared to death she, that, they that if I listened to a Nazi Osmore cassette, I would kill myself. Oh, yeah. Or that if you were younger, that you would go off and play in the woods <laughs> as a kid and you'd get abducted or Yeah, yeah, killed. yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you would be sacrificed, man. You'd be kidnapped and sacrificed. Yeah, because yes. it seemed like there were, there was always a uh, satanic cult now out 
behind everybody's woods. Well, well you yeah. know, the, <laughs> the Ad, well, the Adam Walsh thing was going on. Yes. You know, that was still around about this same time, man. I don't know if they ever could tie it together with some Santana, but, you know, also, what was the one in uh, Arkansas? The West Memphis Three, Three yes. uh, Damian right. Eccles. Yes, yeah. yes. Now, was this around about the same time too, guys? This I, was ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, so it's, it's Adam, a little later, but but not by much. Adam guys. Adam was early eighties. No, and that, Adam yes. Walsh was eighty one. Eighty one, not mistaken. Because I know that was another scary thing, but oh, but, yeah. but it all did kind of seem to be connected, you know, with these panics and and children. Because it always boils back down. To but I say, I, I yeah, say that you know. that was part of the panic. There was no real connection to that. No. Later on, but it was definitely they 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 grasped, you know, like satanic panic. You know, yeah. they they grabbed onto that and said, "Okay, this is this is connected. This is what's going on. This this and satanic and it's this, panic it's just had came a lot linked of self-made for, for, experts, people yeah. claiming yes. to be experts. Yes, right. you did, and they got time. They got airtime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And this was back in the eighties, man. Yeah. When you just couldn't be on a blog right. or on social media, or there was. 500 channels right. and I'm gonna you tell had three you, or four and i'm gonna tell you my my theory on why the satanic panic was so popular and why it captured the cultural imagination the way it did is because it's had it's a problem that has an inbuilt cure put into it go it's to that, church and yes what i'll the way i'll elaborate on that and explain it is that when you know, a lot of what passed off for satanic cults was just kids writing graffiti and copying yeah. things they had seen on MTV. Yeah, or like, a metal album. Yes, or horror movies. Or, yes, just because yes, they sir, thought yes. it was cool. Right, yeah. So, there were there are a number of things that, when they happen in a community, can seem so nonsensical and so make people feel so uh, helpless in the face of stopping it that they get desperate for an answer. Right. And anybody who can give them an explanation for it. The two big ones that tie directly into this are teenage drug crimes. Right. Like uh, kids either becoming uh, addicted to drugs, especially kids from, you know, quote, good families. Right, right, man. uh, Or well-to-do families getting uh, addicted to drugs and committing crimes, like, you know, kids who are high killing each other or playing Russian roulette. Right. uh, Committing suicide. Right. And the other one is... Uh, you find a kid dead in the woods from like a pedophile murder. Right, and they yeah. want to put that yeah. onto the satanic yeah. panic because the Satanist, it was a metal. Yes, person, and you know, right. and ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the times, this had nothing to do with satanic no. cults. It is just the sheer randomity yes. of teenage drug crimes and pedophile murder. Right, and, and they tie it together because you know one thing about those specials, and just like you said, Reverend, back in the eighties when these specials were coming on, people watched in droves. Man. Oh my god, yeah. ratings were so high. It was hot. Oh, is what I'm trying to say. It was hot. It was people offering to help the community make sense of a tragedy by feeding them a line of bullshit, bullshit. saying. You, you know, if you guys will just come to church, this will go away. It'll all go away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a lot of also passing the buck. Because, you know, same thing with the Ozzy Osbourne and Judas Priest suicides. Well, my kid, you know, was could not be depressed. My kid could not have these mental issues. That was a good kid. That was my kid. Right. That was Ozzy's fault. That was Judas Priest's fault. Right. No, man. It, I'm not saying it was the parents' fault either. But it sure as hell wasn't these musicians' fault either, you know. And I do think there's a little bit of trying to pass the buck for your own guilt. There's a way larger trend that you see within the Reagan 80s 
that you can find in lots of facets of pop culture. A big one is movies. Right. How when you watch things like RoboCop right. or like uh, Rambo or anything, you can go back and see it as almost this artifact that shows how diluted we really were as a right. culture and how ill-equipped we were to deal with these uh, societal issues that were plaguing us for the first time. Right. You know, we were very much stuck in this World War II mentality right. where every problem that you have, the way you deal with it is you hit the street and you kick its ass. You, you hit the fucker straight on. And not right, only do you right. kick its ass, but you uh, work your way up to the top guy that there in other yes, words there yeah. is one uh, guy yeah. who's responsible <laughs> yeah. for all this shit the way there right. would be a Hitler or yeah. Stalin or something yeah. and you know terrorism and drugs and things don't work that way no. right like when right. you look at RoboCop for example and you think okay well so let's just take we, okay we have all these well to do kids from good families addicted to drugs clearly there's you know one, one guy yeah. that if we go out there and kick his ass yeah. and get to the top, we're gonna stop he, drugs. All, all drugs are gone. We, man. we just have to get through the different floors to get to the the top guy. You, you have the, to get through the, the bosses in a video big, game. Get yeah. to the big boss <laughs> yeah. up top. You have to yeah. level up. You have to level up. <laughs> there are artifacts of how deluded and <laughs> ill-equipped and almost like helpless that people in culture felt at the time. At the time, because you had to put it on a face. Yeah, and so yeah. the way we can deal with suicide. Is we got to get Ozzy Osbourne because if we you. can do that, there will be no more kids if, committing suicide. Right. If, if Ozzy's no longer allowed to put out albums, suicide, teenage suicide will disappear. Right. Yeah, and that was really what was put out. Man, it really truly was. Yeah, which goes back to the panic part. You know, right. Satan you know. is part of that too. Yeah. yeah, right, right. So if you start going to church, yeah, who, then, who's behind all these? You know. Kids Same. turning up raped and mutilated yeah. in the woods. Satan. Well, that's Satan. clearly Satan. That's if Satan. we go, we get to church. That's the way we kick Satan's ass, and, and it, it'll never happen again. Satan. And of course, as we've gotten older, you know, and oh, society's yeah, sure. grown, we've realized, and obviously, that's just not the case. But back in that time, yeah, brother, and hey, well, there there were several things that that didn't help. And they fueled the fire a lot. Well, a lot of these musicians. And well, well, they were the gimmick. They def they definitely cashed in on the gimmick. They of course, for sure. So who wouldn't? Yeah, you know, I mean, who wouldn't? You but know, you had guys say. like Son of Sam. Yeah, yeah. and oh, yeah. Richard yeah. Ramirez, right, right. Who, Zodiac who, killer. Who, you know. yes. Well, you know, they would they would publicly put it out there that yes, this, this they were a part of this this satanic. Uh, Cult belief, or, or, or beliefs, belief or I am, you know, the messenger. Trivia right, right. fact: uh, Jeffrey Dahmer picked up one of his victims at a skinny puppy show. Really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. I didn't know that, yeah. man. Well, you know, you're talking about the industrial scene, and I, I even remember that in our twenties, that was still a big, you know, the whole satanic. I think it came it came a lot with Manson. Well, with yeah. Manson yeah. was with a fuel fire music, with that one. Yeah. With industrial sure. music, we saw it a little bit here in America with. Uh, Groups like uh, Ministry and Skinny Puppy and things mm -hmm. like that, but it was way bigger in Britain with uh, groups like Psychic TV, yeah, and right. uh, you know th anything related to Genesis P. Orridge, I guess. Oh yeah, right, right. But, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole different. <laughs> that's a whole different show. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, but you know, a, a little, usually a the only the only person that's actually ever called out Roman Polanski for. For what he did. For what he did. Really? Yeah. See, see now yeah. you guys are into some subject matter. I'm not familiar. I know you guys are more into the industrial. Yeah, I was just going to say was, one thing know. to tie up the last point we had said about getting to the top guy. You know, we still have cultural holdovers from that. And the big one I'd point to is the war on terror. Right. Because one of the things that people feel 
that, that you'll see 2020 specials and parents who feel really helpless about kids who got radicalized right. or self-radicalized especially, and we think, well, there's one guy. There, there, if yeah. we can get Bin Laden or if we can get, you know, <laughs> Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi or people like that, we can stop that forever. Yeah. And that is such a, like, cultural holdover from that period. Yeah, and it really, you know, I think we said it even on the last episode, it's so much easier to blame the quote-unquote man, you know, to blame yes. something or somebody yeah. than a system, man, because the system's made right. up of so many complicated parts and so many different people. You know, it's just, it's easier, man. It's yeah. such a cop-out. We need Once, a bad guy. We do. Yeah. That's it, man. Now, I want to ask you guys another aspect of the satanic panic, if you guys remember this. Once again, I know there's a little bit of an age difference, and me and Mike might remember this more, you know, from, from personal experience. But do you remember how much heat came on Dungeons & Dragons? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You guys... Vaguely. Yes, man, that was yeah, another that was big huge. thing. That was almost on the same level as like Ozzy Osbourne albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Cause, sure. Because I remember uh, one time me and my cousin were going to start playing. Mm-hmm. And once again, my oh, mom. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no. Hell no, man. No, no, no. And we never did. You know, yeah. we never did because. Uh, you, you kids ain't killing us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, seriously, man. But it was. They, they, a, lot of, a lot of parents thought, you know, that these kids were getting together and planning just basically to kill. To, to kill each other. Yeah, like a, like a, almost like a. Uh, uh, basement children of the corn. Yeah, yeah, almost <laughs> like know? a sacrificial yeah. type thing, man, because there was actually a movie made back in that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Tom Hanks was in it. I can't remember, man. It's been so long. And I do remember watching this. But it was straight up. Like, if you start doing this, you will get possessed. I mean, you right. know, you start doing these, like, uh, role-playing missions yeah. where you're, you're like, necromancing or, yeah, or, or, like, or anything like that. That was you know? something that came with the how I was talking before about spiritual warfare is that I believe it was Billy Graham who said that there was a literal demon that lived in the real film of The Exorcist. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know. But there was a a literal demon who lived in it. That was, yes, inside the film itself. I still say that. That face. (laughs) That fucking fucking movie gets me, man. Uh, man, Every time, dude. Dude, me and my mother were just talking about The Exorcist two days ago, and and we were still talking about, like, how it was Uh just... So fucking creepy, man. It's crazy to think about, man. The the movie, I think, is the perfect encapsulation of that period of the 1980s satanic panic. Is Have you ever explored the the deeper symbolic meaning behind A Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, not not really, man. You guys smart me up on this. I love that movie. It's probably my favorite horror movie. This is is sort of my explanation to it. Now, you know, back in the 1960s, when you had people who were teenagers, specifically the late 1960s, like the hippie movement. And the teenagers at the time were into shit that their parents, the baby boomers, said this is going to be the downfall right. of culture. Right. And, you know, the kids were going, you know, that that's bullshit. This is the, the kids are all right era. Yeah, right, You know, right. uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll Absolutely. is going to liberate us. It's going to... Uh, in war, it's going to make us all free. Right. Well, what you had happen in 1984 when A Nightmare on Elm Street came out was the sex, drugs, and rock and roll that was introduced, I guess, into culture in the late 1960s had by this time taken a little bit of a different shape. It had right. snowballed. Right. You know, sex was now the AIDS crisis. Yeah, right. Uh 
drugs was now crack cocaine. You went from LSD to crack. Yeah, you know. and rock and roll was now you know backward masked uh, Judas Priest records. Right, right from Elvis Presley. Right. You so know, yes, these people who were teenagers Extremes. back in yeah who were teenagers back in the late '60s who introduced this stuff to culture now had a real tangible fear from being new parents right. that the shit they had introduced was now going to kill their kids. But maybe yeah. their parents were right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you start getting into that aspect. That it's, that it's in, in other words, it's what they created mm-hmm. was now going to blow up in their face and kill their kids. Right. Their children. Yeah. Right. So the same way in the, you notice in the movie that Kruger is killed by the neighborhood parents. Right. And then he comes back as this totally different Holy shape of dream demon. To and kill, they, kill the kids. kids. And they never want to talk about it. That's what the movie it. is about. No, they never want to talk about it. Holy they never shit. want to address the fact and they that. never do. Yeah, and they try to keep it a secret up until the very end, until mm-hmm. they finally, you know, do This is our fault. I'm watching that shit tonight. Yeah, and because, see, you know, the the title is, the title is intended, and I mean, I'm not, not, not just pulling this stuff out of my no, ass. Right, right. Like, the title Elm Street is intentional because every town has, has an, an Elm, Elm Street. Street, and so this is something that is everywhere. Yeah. I've never thought about it like that. I've never even heard it described like that. I'm watching that tonight. Because I, I like go to back and watch it movie. and pay attention to, to that it. aspect. I will, I will. Because even just you know knowing what I know of that movie, that makes perfect sense, man. I mean that symbolism to me sounds legit as hell. Yeah. Then, then after yeah. that, watch Nightmare Two and see what you can oh, bring on. <laughs> on that that's one, a whole other yeah, that's, a whole, that's, a, that's another, another show. That's Absolutely. a whole other show. Yeah. I think I'm just going to skip on over to Dream Warriors, man. No. I, I, love no. that. Uh, I like Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. too. I like the second one. The first I, one I, I, I like part two. For the, <laughs> see, I think part two might be the my favorite one out of it for the same reason I Friday love. the 13th, part five is my favorite one. Yeah, I love and the five, same reason five, Halloween five. 3 love, is my favorite I love, one. Three. I love three. I love yeah. two. Two's probably like my two. favorite. Yeah, yeah, I like, no, yeah. Uh, Nightmare 2. Yeah, Nightmare yeah. 2 is Nightmare one 2, of my Friday 5, Halloween 3. Yeah. Those are the big weird ass departures yeah. from the series those are my favorite ones yeah I, I hated halloween 3 growing up i watched it as an adult my loved 20s it. i'm like holy shit this I is totally great yeah it's, it's one of my favorite horror movies yeah, yeah. But anyway, anyway so with yeah, the satanic yeah. panic another point we got to get to is proctor and gamble oh with the symbol the yes. star the star fuck i forgot about that uh uh the story was yeah. that it there's variations on the story which this was before uh, YouTube and playback was widely a known thing, so urban legends about things like this could spread right. really quick. And there's some variations that say this took place on Donahue. There's some variations that say it took place on Oprah. But the CEO of Procter and Gamble came on and said, "We're allied with the Church of Satan, right. and a big percentage of our money we make from them." From uh, from, from our commercial them, ventures right. mm-hmm. goes to them. Right, right. In, in the form of tithes. So this tapped into this fear that was part of the satanic panic that your money is going to the is going Satanist. to Satanism. Yeah. Right. And, and wasn't there something to do with the symbol? Like there was yes. a moon and a star and it had something to do mm-hmm. with witchcraft or something? Because I remember And it became, that. that became such a big deal that Procter & Gamble even ended up remaking the symbol. That's right. Yeah. They had to change it because they had so much heat on them and boycotts over that. Damn, I completely, yep. completely sure forgot about yeah. that. Sure and that was, once again, that was in that same time. Yeah. Because wow. I, I remember my, my parents discussing that. 
like I said, now, man, my parents, and I know just like yours Ooh. agency, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if it's just from being in this area, because my parents were never big church schoolers. We never really went no, to church no, or anything. No, definitely not. But, but, but they had the fear. But, and there was that Christian overtone. Like, yeah. you know, we prayed at Thanksgiving. We prayed at Easter, mm-hmm. you know, so, but that was about it, you know. But it was still there. Oh, yeah. Like, like you know, once once my mother found out that I had Ozzy Osbourne in the house, you would have swore she was about to go get a preacher <laughs> and some sage. And, right. and, like, I mean, it was like that. Like, it was it was an argument. I, oh, yeah. I, I mean, remember it really was. I could get the I could get the music in easier. Right. Once I started getting the shirts, that now, was a whole battle. Yeah. Well, it was an entire battle onto itself. Just a little uh, antidote here, which is real hilarious. But you could put a cassette in your pocket. You could put so, a cassette, yeah. yeah. Well, I know uh, Dad, you know, he would take me to the flea market. We had a guy at the flea market who sold uh, bootleg, oh, cassettes, bootlegs. Yeah. Absolutely. And they were most, most yep, of the bootlegs. Like a lot of wasp there. A lot of. Well, I had, that's where I would get my Aussie albums. Yeah. And I remember Dad was like, you know, well, what you want? And I'm like, I want an Aussie album. So mm-hmm. I got Diary of a Madman. You know, Di- the, the cover Diary of a Madman is pretty, pretty satanic. I got mine at, at yeah. Sky City. Yeah, right. Oh, called, yeah, really? Sky City would sell Blizzard of Oz yeah. was, I believe, the one that. Uh, always got referenced. Yeah, that that one because yeah. he's holding a cross. And he's holding the cross upright. Upright. Yeah. Now on Diary, of Diary Man, it's inverted. Inverted on the, it on is the wall. Inverted. And he's got blood all over him. And that was the album. It I'm was the, heavy. It was, it was heavy, heavy for that period. Yeah. Because my dad looked at it. But it was like, it. oh my God, that's so fucking cool. That's the coolest <laughs> shit ever, man. Because oh yeah. when I got it, dad's like, I don't know if your mom's going to want you hearing this. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, well, come on, Daddy. He's like, well, don't say nothing. Right. You know, right. that was when yeah. that was when really one of the first times me and my dad kind of bonded a little yeah. bit. You know, he's like, oh, don't say anything. Oh, you, know, know. Know. Yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, well, like my, I said, for know. my period, Marilyn Manson was the big one because, to my knowledge, he was one of uh, a very few that actually was part uh, of the church a, of legit, Satan. a legitimate Satan. Um, yeah. Now, back in the '80s, I know how we were going back talking about industrial music. Boyd Rice legitimately was friends with. Uh-huh. Anton LaVey, right. but um, during the time when I can really remember in the late 90s, Manson was probably one of the only definitely connected time, ones. I, I, that, I, that I can remember. That would come right out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you but remember the... At that point, well, no, yeah, you had a lot of electric hellfire guys. Electric Hellfire yeah, was, was yeah, uh, yeah, my yeah. life with the Thrill Kill cult. Were they? I think I, they I'm not were. Sure. Maybe I, I think they were pretty open. It seems like it, man. Daisy Chain for Daisy Chain for Satan was one of their. I mean, they, yeah, they I mean, I know some. Good, I know that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean anything, you know, as far yeah, as lyrics right. go. And then there were a number of bands that, even though they were about as far from the mainstream as you can get, like Deicide, yeah, or yeah, like yeah. or like a lot of the uh, Norwegian black, black metal, metal bands, yeah. like uh, not Emperor, what's the uh, Mayhem. Yeah. Man, yeah, I remember DSI. DSI yeah. was like one because I read an article on them in one of my guitar magazines because I hadn't really been exposed to that kind of heavy metal. All right. And that shit was pretty mind-blowing. But, you know, speaking of Marilyn Manson, do you guys remember the, the speech, I guess, for lack of a better term, that he gave on the MTV Music Awards where he was talking about how the chains of Christianity were yeah. no longer... Do you remember that? I remember that. That was heavy. Dude, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, I was still, I guess, I had a little bit more faith back in than I do now, you know, for what that's worth. That shit... Swear to God, I'm in my twenties. That shit scared me. Like it did. I had a fucking reaction, man. Really? And I, yeah. And I was just like, holy shit, man. But it also, I wasn't the biggest Marilyn Manson fan, mm-hmm. but it got me interested. You know, I just thought that was funny. But what was even funnier was Chris Rock was the host. Mm-hmm. So after Marilyn oh, yeah. Manson came out, he gave this speech, that. and he had this. I forget what song he performed. Beautiful people. Beautiful people. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. It was. And after that was done, Chris Rock's like, go to church. 
He was like, go to church. That's how he ended the show. Yeah. And I just saw it. But I also that was the satanic but was panic in a, in a five-minute clip. clip. Yeah. Yes, it was, man. It was pretty much about, all encapsulated right there. Yeah. Yeah. By that time, you know, especially with Manson, because I, I just thought Manson was a lot of that showman. You it know, was that a gimmick. Was. A gimmick. Yeah. You know, but I think he did have some legit satanic. Well, but you, I don't know if, if this happened in your school. I'm almost positive it didn't happen in yours, Ben. Um, do you remember being uh, put into a gymnasium okay. at school? And I forget exactly what the speaker was for, but it was long, long the lines of the satanic panic right. and you were showed this video of these different bands you know the the metal bands and no we never had that. i don't and, think. and they they were going through you know this 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 music is no good this this is not good they would show acdc they would show wasp and they had it all in this one music video collage about you know what they were doing showing what they were doing and you know uh hell's bells was going off and and it, it was insane i remember i don't, remember, I, I, I don't think we did I, i'd like to talk to a, a lot of people that were in my school at that time to get their take on it yeah because you're you're in this gymnasium with the entire school right you're watching this and as as at that time you know a metal head somebody who liked loved metal and there were a group of us oh sure yeah yeah and you're sitting in a gymnasium watching this video all your your favorite bands all your favorite bands but you're also being put on blast and you're having a lot of attention on you when you're sitting there and this entire group is looking straight at you because you guys had the long hair you guys wore the black t-shirts right. you know you guys you know were not the the quote-unquote preppies right you know you weren't the jocks yeah you know and you turn and look at, and you've got somebody giving this this uh, speech this lecture uh, this presentation music, of this is evil this is satan's music and this is not good and, and let's have a little context here too agency you're from a pretty god man how to put this mildly uh your school Especially back in that country as hell. Let's put it oh, like yeah. that. Extremely Absolutely. country. We're in the Bible Belt. Yes. Bro. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and where you went to school, because mm-hmm. I went to the city school, yep. and you went to the school out in the sticks. Yes. Literally, man, this school is in the middle of a cow pasture. I right. mean, it, it literally, it really is. Yep. I mean, they still have drive your tractor to work day, or, or school day. Yep. I mean, that still happens yep. to this day. So, man, I mean, I can imagine those mainstream students who are into the country music, into uh-huh. the gospel music, into church, man, they'd be looking at you guys probably with hate yeah, yeah I, I mean seriously sure. man because you're absolutely you're the, or fear the if fear, anything else and fear let's face it man fear brings violence more than anything you know and you know or, all you know. fear it this is all rooted in the idea of think about the children it always is and it always there is. there's a major facet of that we got to get to which is allegations of ritual child abuse yes yes uh, that was because I know that was really big in those 2020 specials. Yes. Mm-hmm. That they, they talked about that really more than anything. A lot of daycares. Yes. Uh, yes. One in uh, Jordan, Minnesota, and one the McMartin case. Right, right. So talk a little bit about that, Reverend. I'm not as familiar. Well, you would have a number of kids, and these tended to all follow a similar pattern where you would have – a number of kids who all attended a daycare and they would all speak out and say that there's been some really shady shit that's gone on. Right. And variations of the story tended to 
say, you know, there there's a basement or caves right. underneath the daycare that there's a an altar of some kind that kids were uh, both physically, uh, psychologically, and sexually abused. Right. That a lot of times it would involve, you know, they were forced to witness or take part in killing an animal. Right. They were held in a, a cage or captivity. They were forced to, um, you know, spit on religious idols. Right. Things right. like that. It was a lot of uh, things that seem kind of far out, but these were uniform stories that right. the kids all told. I, and I was going to ask, Reverend, do you know, obviously I know it may be hard to give an actual number, but can you can you say roughly about how many of these people, were, were they adults at the time that they came out? Were they still children at the time when they started? There was no uh, consistent pattern. I A see. lot of times okay. these were... Uh, kids with the allegations that they had been coached right, to right. say it. Um, now, sometimes I can't remember what was the name of the book that there was a big one at that point. It was something like uh, something remembers, like uh, Alice remembers or Elizabeth remembers, or I can't remember what the name of the book was. I'm not sure, man. I'm but not sure. it was um, a girl who was a teenager or a young adult, right? that had supposedly suppressed memories right. that had been brought out by a psychiatrist. Okay, right. And she claims, you know, I remember all this stuff from my childhood of being uh, sex trafficked, of satanic ritual abuse, and on and on and on. Right. And, you know, from this period, there's even a checklist that you can find that groups like this passed around that said, has your child been a victim of ritual abuse and no. suppressed the memories? And, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, so these allegations were so, I guess, for lack of a better term, mainstream at this yes. time that you actually had forms going yeah. out. Because I know that 2020 special I watched just a couple weeks ago, they, they go into that. They, they were talking a lot about it. I believe it was the 2020 special where they were talking about these uh, – children being victims of these things yeah and it's just scary man i mean to say it's scary be an understatement you know yeah i feel like it would be something the the book title i can't remember but it's what alice forgot i don't think that's it i don't think but um well i know that the major the context to it was ritual abuse and like suppressed memory right and yeah. And apparently, more than just a couple people, uh, you know, coming out with this. Yeah, stuff and this was well. more I'm than a... one book, but like that was right. there was a famous one like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's if you look at the the checklist of everything, I mean, it was some pretty twisted shit. Yeah, and, and I mean, it makes you really wonder, dude. It, it was it as much as a panic. I mean, obviously, I think the music part and even like the Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. I think that's panicking. But it does make you wonder about, about, you know, what was going on with some of these kids. You know, if it was, you know, and I know we got episodes lined up later on where we'll probably get into that maybe a little bit more. Michelle Remembers? Yes. That's it. it, What what was it again, Agency? What was it? Michelle Michelle Remembers. Michelle Remembers, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something something for you guys out there to check out. That's something I'm going to be checking out. I'm looking at that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, I will tell you one, when I began looking into this stuff of ritual abuse, there is there okay there is one fact that i read that just straight up blew me away like you know how we were talking about the checklist of things they and this wasn't just kids too these would be uh kids testifying uh in front of their church right. that they had taken part in satanic cult activity or 
self-made, self-professed experts right. on the subject who a lot of times tended to be former police detectives that would go into this business. I see. But right, right. There would be things that would be common threads like cannibalism, blood drinking, right. sex mm-hmm. rituals. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times people would say the reason they could never get uh, to the bottom of it was because people from high up in a town like the mayor and the head of the local right. mortuary were all involved in right. it and so the bodies were cremated right right trying to cover it up and everything right yeah well on the surface there's a lot about this that suggests you know these kids were being coached right um that it's a very you know like the name suggests that it's panicky yeah you're right right it's not legit or right but um I'd say there's two interesting facts that I found about this period. And the first one is that the biggest uh, spike in history of supposed child disappearances was between 1985 and 1987, which coincides with, you know, this this period we're talking about. Yeah, sure, right. Do you know what else happened during that time period? Not right off. It was the first year that the IRS required parents to show proof that they had a child to declare them as a dependent. And all of a sudden, all these so kids are going missing. <laughs> you had millions of kids all across America that supposedly went missing, that, co- that just happened wow. to coincide with that. Just just coincidental, man. Obviously, that has to be a coincidence. <laughs> all right, all right. You have to prove you have a child before we'll give you tax credit. Oh, hell, man. All and up kids. until that point, you had people <laughs> claiming they had 10 <laughs> more kids. Kids, right, right. Well, uh, I, uh, not none of my kids went what? missing this what? week. Yeah. Well, guys, I tell y'all, the Satan's well, got them. Here's, here's the Satan's the thing. got them. <laughs> yeah, um, the devil got them. Yeah. There's a few other things I want to tie up. Just absolutely short ones. Okay. Um, if you want to really look into uh, research this on your own, go on YouTube. Search. There was a guy named Ted Gunderson who was a former FBI agent who retired or quit so that he could do this full time. Right. And go around speaking about uh, ritual abuse, MK Ultra programming, and people who had been involved with the satanic sex trafficking rings. He traveled around with three women. Right. One of them was uh, Bryce Taylor, whose real name was Susan Ford. Another was Kathy O'Brien. Another was named Arizona Wilder. But they all spoke on this exact same topic. Okay. And there is hours and hours worth of shit on YouTube of them uh, giving speeches on it, saying that they had been programmed, they had okay. been sex slaves of people okay. like Bob Hope, like Ronald Reagan, oh, wow. and yeah. Oh, so they name drop and everything then. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. And okay. Okay. Well, the point I was going to get to was when we were talking about the the daycare scandals. This was a fact that that blew my mind and makes me think maybe there's something to some of this. For sure. There was a group that was. Um, I can't quite call them a a collective, but they were definitely a paid group of psychologists. They were because so much of this involved suppressed memories right. in psychiatry jargon that it was called the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. Okay. Now, what this was was it was a group of paid psychologists or self-professed experts right. on the topic of suppressed memory because this wasn't like a super explored uh, field. Sure, right, right. At this point, like th- I mean, this was a period where when people, you know, suppressed memory was a very new thing. Like a new concept, like you didn't even really hear about this stuff. Yeah, right, at all. Right, right, right. So, but all of a sudden it was in the national spotlight. Right. <clears throat> so, 
Anyway, this was a group called the False uh, Memory Syndrome Foundation that were paid experts who went around to these court cases involving daycares that uh, would put the kids' testimony in question. Right. That would say, um, you know, not come straight away and attack the kids, but more like with the implication that their parents and people were being attacked. They're like, these kids were coached. Coached, right, right. Well, that all sounds well and good, but there's a paper trail you can look at, and the big funder behind the False Memory Syndrome Foundation, do you know who it was? Who's that? Nambla. Wow. There you go. No, no. shit. <laughs> wow. Strictly coincidental. Wow. Strictly coincidental. You want to man. talk about a game changer? Oh. Brother, that just changed the whole narrative. I mean, the whole yeah. narrative. Yeah. Well, guys, I tell you wow. what. I think Whatever became of <laughs> Satanic Panic? Well, it sort of changed forms, I believe. It, I mean, it yeah. lives on to this day, but I mean, it definitely never went anywhere. It's just changed names, I guess. I don't know, brother. What? I, I, I wish some of my teachers had been around for to see the <laughs> the finale of well, of it, what, it reflect, what would become. You know, Ozzy Osbourne and the Osbournes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, panics reflect what. <laughs> a culture is finds upsetting yeah, right. and right. there there's a really great article that I'd read I may have told you about this before during a conversation but uh, the Atlantic published a piece back about five years ago and the, the title of the article was called uh, the n-word is the new f-word right, right did you did you read this huh. one no okay well what it talks about is that our idea in 2019 of what constitutes profanity right. or curse words is outdated right. because it is a throwback to what people uh, shied away from in polite speech during the 1950s. Okay. For example, what made people uncomfortable back then was things related to sex, sure. things related sure. to um, you know bodily functions right, right, or... Right. Uh, you know, blasphemy or things like that. Sure. That doesn't really quite do it anymore. No. Yeah, because, we, you know, when you talk about words that are uh, profanity, it's hard to call something profanity when you hear it on primetime television. Or, or, or say it uh, every other word. I mean, I refer to most people as a motherfucker. I mean, I really I do. I, I do. I mean, hey, look at that motherfucker. Or, yeah. Hey, what's up, motherfucker? Yeah. Yeah, and whatever you want to so, say about yeah. that, you can't really call it profanity anymore. No, no. I mean, no, it, it's, it all. it's more of a greeting now. I mean, and, I mean, we say shit for, I mean, all the time. You yeah. hear that on, on primetime television. Yeah, now, and what they were know. getting at is that what, makes our society uncomfortable now isn't words from that um, uh, category, I right, guess. Right. That what does is things related to discrimination. Like for example. racial or, or homophobia. Yeah. You know, right. Or, or, you know, class-related Cla slurs sure. or things like that. Yeah. Like, that's what really bothers people in society now. Right. I'm, I'm, you it, know, that if, makes sense, man. You yeah. know, like, like imagine... For Offensive example, terms if, to, uh, like relating to other people. Yeah. Right. Right. For example, if you imagine if you're at a school or workplace, and you're a boss, and uh, or or imagine you're a coworker and you've got two people who start fighting with each other. Right. Well, if they start slinging, you know, uh, you mf or whatever yeah. at each other, then 
uh, you know, the, the boss the boss is going to say y'all go home cool yeah. off yeah yeah, yeah. take something. five take, yeah separate. but now yeah. let's twist it and say one of them calls you in oh you're that's it you're I mean, fired you're fired man you're Done. gone you know or, or even you know a homophobic you know yes. slur and oh, the yeah. f word or something yeah. like that you know a place that me and you uh, worked together reverend there was actually a, a case where i saw someone get fired Right for for making a homophobic remark. Right, you know they were gone, man. There was no warning. There was no nothing. They were out the door, um, which you know I can I can see that, man. I mean, you know you've got to you just can't be spouting out hate, But using that using that example to parallel to what we're talking right. about is that I don't think that Satanism makes our collective culture nearly as no, uncomfortable nowhere in near, 2019 man. as it did in the 1970s yeah. and 80s. Absolutely at not, all. man. We are so desensitized to it. I mean, I mean, really, in a lot of ways, a lot of those like T-shirts that we would wear, you know, with the pentagram, Slayer shirts, Metallica shirts, yeah. stuff like that. Back when we were doing it back in the 80s and 90s, man, we were kind of the outcast. It's mainstream now. You see Kardashians wearing Iron Maiden shirts. The uh, satanic it, panic now is people accused of being clan members, of yes, being... Yes, political stuff now. Yes. Y- yeah, yeah. It's very political. It's all yes. related. On the left, it's related to communism. Yes. On mm-hmm. the right, it's fascism. related to fascism. fascism. Yeah. That is... That's our panics today. Our yeah. culture has gotten so politicized. And polarized. And, yeah, and yeah, polarized yeah, yeah. that that's what upsets people now. It's not... You know, Satanism is kind of like a cheeky taboo thing. Yeah, not, yeah, not taboo not at all. Not even taboo, man. Right. It's, yeah. it's almost in fashion. It's a quirky it's thing quirky now. It's now, is. yeah. And it's so strange because in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, we had one thing that most people panicked against, and that was Satanism. Now yeah. we have it kind of split down the middle, and it's more right versus left than it is, you know, I guess regular culture versus Satanism. What right. four yeah. decades ago would have been a 2020 special saying, is your child... Um, following Satan and right. taking part in this stuff. Now it's is he is a your, Nazi? Is, is your child part of the alt right? Alt right or Antifa? I mean, well, and, Antifa, the yeah. Islamic State. State. That perfect. Is any, that is any what kind the of satanic movement. panic is now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, we didn't even really talk about like you know Islamophobia and stuff was with that because you know you saw that in the early two thousands after nine eleven. Oh yeah, it, it went Damn. from satanic panic to sure. the Islamic you know terrorist. And panic. that's another extension of. Uh, Cold warfare. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, guys, I tell y'all what, we probably need to go ahead and start wrapping this bad boy up. Yeah. Uh, we, we've got a lot, we've covered a lot today. Um, Reverend, brother, this one, as always, great show. Man. Absolutely. Thank you for coming down. Agent C, you have anything you'd like to end us with, brother? That was a lot of fun. A lot Absolutely. of memories going back to that. It was. Memory lane. Uh, that was Memory man. Lane, yes. Wow. But we also, you know, had, had um, you know, there was a lot to discuss a lot of serious issues as well man you know that mm-hmm. you know we, we not only did we get to reminisce and have some fun talking about that but we also got to talk about some serious pretty serious subject matter. yeah well guys until next month once again i enjoyed it thank you again reverend for coming down agency always always thank you for opening up the cave here for us and uh i guess until next month absolutely y'all man. stay woke This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. The broadcasters of your area, in voluntary cooperation with the FCC and other authorities, have developed this system to keep you informed in the event of an emergency. If this had been an actual emergency, you would have been instructed where to tune in your area for news and official information. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system.